Blog Talk Radio. fights, some contender versus contender trying to get that big fight like the Lubin Fondora, Ryan Garcia returns this weekend, Golovkin Murata, a fight that was supposed to happen quite a while ago. Um, we're going to break it all down. We, we will preview the spring in, you know, early summer schedule, like I said. Tons of big fights, no doubt about it. Stevenson Valdez. Uh, Canelo Bivol, um, some fights that haven't been, you know, 100% announced like Usyk and Anthony Joshua. So there's a variety of stuff to talk about. So that will be one of the segments that we do preview that April, May, June, and ske- or, or in July, or yeah, just June. April, May, June. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I, see, I took a week off, and here I am all fumbly. Um, but like I said, we will preview and predict what we got going on this weekend, which is really, really full. ESPN has a card as well. Um, it's going to be a little funky because the Golovkin Murata fight is from Japan, and I mean funky by the time that it's going to be on. A lot of us uh, will be sleeping. Well, then again, you know, like <clears throat> the people that wake up really early in the morning, you know, maybe they're going to love it because it'll be on a Saturday and they'll be all about it. Either way, though, there is some other fight news that we'll talk about. Um, you know, there's this rumor going out there about Terrence Crawford. I've heard it in a variety of places as far as him signing a deal with the PBC. 
Sorry, I had to mute and cough there for a second. Um, you know, there's been a, a rumor about a summer fight with him. Obviously, Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford have yet to fight, and that is the fight that we need. Assuming he gets by Ugas, I don't want to disrespect your Dennis Ugas. Either one, whoever wins this one needs to fight Crawford next or this year or whatever, you know. Will Crawford want to fight in the summer and then they they fight in the fall, like late fall? I don't really know, but let's hope that fight happens, obviously. Uh, <clears throat> the way Spence is talking, he, he's saying basically what he was saying before the Pacquiao fight, that he is going to look to make that fight next. Since we lost talk, technically Cambosis and Haney did get finished. It got over the line. It is a, a done deal. There is some details that I thought are pretty interesting when it comes to that fight. We'll talk about Inoue and Donaire, the rematch in June. That's another one that, since we last spoke, um, you know, that's gone through. AJ, Anthony Joshua, actually does have a new trainer in his camp. We'll talk a little bit about that. That trainer happens to have some experience, not just at the heavyweight level, but training as well. So there's a variety of stuff that we'll talk about. Of course, we'll talk a lot of current fight news and the boxing Twitter segment where we go over the tweets of the week. We kind of laugh or scratch our head at the fanboy tweets. And then, of course, the media behaving as fanboys on Twitter as well. If this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ropeadope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope It Open, download the show directly there, or listen to it in the browser. You can find um, the platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Spricker, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, almost everywhere. Right now, the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network's having a little issue um, as far as uploading um so we're not available right there but you can head on over to the gruelingtruth.com anytime and then one more thing if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have you're not quite happy i got something for you it's called direct tv stream the prices started low at 69.99 a month it's the best of live tv and on demand no annual contracts no hidden fees if you upgrade to the choice or ultimate package that gives you three free months of HBO Max, plus you get to enjoy regional sports networks without the additional fees that you're seeing more and more. And then boxing fans, you might want to pay attention here. If you go to the Premier Package, that gives you HBO Max and Showtime. On this platform, Showtime is $11. That's DirecTV Stream. All right, so, you know, I'm not going to leave the show with an in-depth recap like we like to do. Um, obviously, Showtime, zone ESPN, not this last week, but the week before, obviously had cards. Um, Burchell got knocked out, looked just a, a shell of himself. Um, I didn't like what they were trying to do to change him that much, to be honest with you. Um, maybe use a jab more. There are some stuff that he could, you know, maybe move his head on the way in or whatever, but he looks stuck between styles, style that they were trying to have where he's moving a little bit and boxing. It just like boxing on the outside a little bit. That doesn't fit him. 
that just doesn't fit him. Um, obviously, Tim Zhu here at the Armory um, had a a bad first round. Um, Gachet definitely, for a chunk of that fight, gave him something to think about beyond just that big shot in the first round. But I did like how um, Tim Zhu broke him down and stayed on course and went to town in a lot of ways. So it was nice to see him in, in the U.S. Like I said, there are other items, um, you know, out there. Elvin Rodriguez looked okay on that card. Um, so, you know, like I said, I don't want to go too deep on this stuff. Um, just be, uh, Michelle Rivera. And kind of, a, I actually thought that Ordorno, speaking of trying to outbox people, I, I didn't like Ordorno, Ordorno's uh, approach at all. Um, but it was a it was a mediocre, you know, it was, like action-wise. I did think, like most people, think that was going to be an action-packed fight that didn't really turn out that way. Warrington and Martinez, man, Martinez, he got beat up pretty well. I mean, don't get me wrong, won some, some moments or whatever, but and he showed plenty of heart down the stretch in the sixth and seventh round, but man, Warrington definitely, you know, he got damaged, did Warrington, when he broke his jaw, I think, right? Um, but so there was, there was two-way spots, don't get me wrong, um, and Kiko definitely, like I said, showed a bunch of heart, but Warrington took it over, and it's funny because now all of a sudden, it was like they're just trying to get the Lee Wood in Warrington to fight. It's like, well, hold on. You know, <laughs> um, Warrington still needs to fight somebody else. I'm not saying I'd be against that fight. We have a little news when it comes to that, by the way. Anyway, um, Bridges and Roman, that was a really good fight. Bridges won that fight. Um, so, yeah, like I said, not a ton um, to, to report back, let's say. Um, I thought Baez, Eduardo Baez looked pretty good when he took on Dibas. That was like a six to four, seven to three. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, like I said, I don't want to, it's so long ago. I really don't want to look into it too much. You know what I mean? I'm trying to see, I know I miss some stuff, but like I said, kind of, kind of by design. Um, but anyway, the biggest shocker was Burchell. I mean, that really threw me off. I did not see that coming. Uh, Nakatila, wow, <laughs> that was um, that was crazy. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, I guess I wasn't shocked, shocked because you never know in boxing, and, and you know, coming off that knockout was Burchell. I suppose I wasn't one hundred percent shocked, but. And after a couple of rounds, I definitely wasn't shocked because I'm like, man, if he keeps fighting like this, it's a wrap. And I'm not saying if he would have fought his old style, he would have won the fight. It's not that easy, right? I know that. But, man, Jesus, it, it was bad. Let's just put it that way. It was uh, really, really bad. Um, that that was crazy. That was crazy. Um, so, yeah, like I said, though, I think it was over – it was the biggest crowd at the Armory so far for boxing, almost 4,400. I think it was 40. Jake Donovan reported it was like 4,378 or something like that. Um, 
so that was, you know, that was awesome, um, especially for, you know, not a big – and actually, although a lot of people don't like that, you know, Tim Zhu had his first fight here, people are so particular about not how good of a fight it is or a fighter that, oh, it sucks that it's in Minneapolis. You know, don't get me wrong. It was cold as hell up here and windy. It was like the windy city up here uh, that weekend, but – he said he liked the place a lot, and he said, I want to fight there again. He ultimately said he wants to fight in Vegas, um, which, you know, who wouldn't, um, especially, you know, someone from Australia. It's like, hey, this, you know, I've heard so much great things about this. Um, but, yeah, I did notice how, you know, people really dogging, like when it's just like a decent fighter or like uh, prospect stuff or like Jamal James or – you know, a contender type stuff or good fights, that good TV fights, they're fine with it. They love the armory. But as soon as, like, a legit fight gets made there, oh, boy, that place sucks, man. How could you – that would suck to have to fight there. You know, it's like, huh. all right, I'm taking it a little personal, okay? I got to admit, I'm taking it a little personal. Um, but anyway, I'm just kind of messing around, too. But I did notice it was kind of like, damn, dude. Really? Is it that bad? Like, holy shit. Um, but, yeah, um, I also did like how Tim Zeus said, hey, you know, I understand that these guys probably aren't going to be ready right, you know, in the summer a, a month or two later because they're fighting mid-May. And, I'm t- of course, I'm talking about, you know, uh, Charlo and Castaño. But I, I did like how, you know, he – said, I, you know, I, I want to fight again. I want to try to fight again and just stay within the realm. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that's that's pretty dope. That's pretty dope. Let's see if he comes back here or, you know, who knows where he'll, he'll actually uh, fight. But either way, um, it is what it is when it comes to that. So, you know, like I said, there's plenty of stuff to preview and predict. Um and I'm already getting a variety of messages here. Um, <laughs> man, it's it's funny when a, a week goes by. So basically two weeks since I've done the boxing show. And the me- messages just pile up. And Man, that this, the, the last boxing Twitter segment I did, boy, I had a wide variety of support and a wide variety of, like, really people mad at. I apologize, not totally, but I'm not, uh, you know, the personal attacks, like, <laughs> there's a media member that uh, recently blocked me, uh, which that's fine, that's cool, not, no big deal. I think it's kind of funny, though, because when it's simply just, you know, not even like trying to, well, I don't know, I mean, you're trying to debate something, but it's not just a debate, there's just certain stuff that you're, you're, you know, the, a lot of the media members don't like this Twitter segment. I'm not going to say a lot, like every media member listens to the show, because that's just not true, but I definitely notice, you know, when I bring up Mannix, or, you know, Montero, or whatever, this one happened to be Woodsy, which I followed Woodsy's work for a long, long time. Um, I did see, um, you know, some bias against the PBC from him, like many other uh, guys. But, you know, I res- anytime I'm talking about any media members, and I'm not talking about them as a personal 
I never send a personal shot at them like I know them, you know. And it has nothing to do with how good they are or how great they are or very good they are at what they do and, and for them to become a boxing media member. I mean, even to get paid in boxing is something that you have to at least respect because it's tough. It is tough. Um, and all these people that I talk about pretty much are way better uh, boxing writers. You know, like I'm not a writer. I'll say that from the start. Even in my prediction articles or blogs, whatever you want to call them, I never act like I'm, you know, like I have a journalism degree or, or, or you know. So I, a lot of people are, and I'd never judge like, you know, Dougie Fisher for his history, <laughs> you know, historical facts and boxing. I admit openly that, yeah, sure, I've read some history and learned a variety of things about the sport, right? But I'm not going toe-to-toe with the historian. That's just stupid, you know? So I think people kind of, you know, people have, like, I like Jake Donovan a lot, but it's for exact reasons. It's not just because I don't know him on a really personal level, but I just like the work he does because he keeps it professional, you know? He doesn't slander stuff over and over again and then leave other items alone. But, yeah, I did get a bunch of messages. Oh, you know, uh, so-and-so, you know, called you out or so-and-so blocked you because you're so biased or whatever. It's 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 just funny because a lot of Steve Kim, a lot of those guys, when you just bring up basic stuff and show kind of a mirror to them in a sense, well, how come you're know, not saying about that? I mean, cool, I agree with you on this point, but how come you don't say it here? It's simple stuff. And um, But, yeah, a lot of people thought I literally ducked. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. I keep saying a lot. It's not a lot of people. But there are some folks, whether it's some newbies that message me or just the same old folks that refuse to call into the show, though, to actually, you know, have a nice debate. They just want to one-side you. My favorite is the ones that leave a direct message and then block you or unfollow you. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just like, oh, Jesus Christ, dude. Why'd you follow me in the first place then? Like, it's fine, you know? Um, but, yeah, it's never judging how good or great someone is at their job. It's literally a lot of people – there's that a lot of kids. Well, this is true. A lot of media members will – go after certain things in boxing, and rightfully so, you know, rightfully so, and I agree with a lot of things they say, but like I said, it just, just like this Spence Ugas, now all of a sudden, oops, because a few people online that, like Conte and Montero, now all of a sudden they're cheating, dude. Now all of a sudden what Idik says doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter what Idik says, I'm listening to these two dudes, you know, it just, it just, it, it needs to be exploited, dude. And, and this is something on the podcast we rarely ever do from, for the first, like, until the PBC came. I mean, really. I mean, we, we'd say some stuff like, oh, he doesn't like this or, you know, a plenty of people said right when Heyman got in the business that, you know, matchmaking isn't good or this, that, and the other. And, you know, obviously he had to learn a variety of stuff. You're not just going to walk into an industry and run it. Um, but it'd be awesome at it, right? But 
Um, it's just the clear bias. Like I, I generally don't want to talk about this stuff. I, I, you know, for people that want to talk boxing and current fights, um, recap predictions, preview all that stuff. That's why I try to get most of that done right away. And then for the folks that are interested in 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 fight news and in in the, that type of stuff, then that's at the back of the podcast. I try to I try to do that. And, I, and you know, there's times where I just push stuff off. You know, I can do this way more, but it's like, why? You know, why? So if you think I ducked last week, I had a flu, the worst flu I've had probably since, uh, like, um, mid-2000s, maybe like 2003, 2004. I can't remember what that flu was. but that Was that the swine flu or the – I can't remember which. H1N1, I, I can't remember which one, but that one actually, I puked off that one. I haven't puked off the flu since then, and I actually did two, okay, I'll stop. I, I might be, somebody's trying to eat right now, I'll stop. Anyway, I didn't duck the show last week, is what I'm saying. But, you know, go ahead. I'm sure you're going to go, oh, yeah, okay, sure, <laughs> you know. Um, and I'll go over those, you know, tweets later. Uh, to, to address what people were uh, messaging me for. But, like I said, dude, this schedule, man, um, schedule is just, it's fun. Dude. And I'm not going to historically be like, I've never seen a schedule like this. I have seen many of people say this is the best stretch a decade or whatever. I'm not worried about all that. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to act like I know exactly how it lines up. Um, you know, shit, the close of 2020 was damn good. The close of 2020, uh, 2019 was bomb. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's just, I, I don't really care about that. I just care that we're getting, you know, some some really good fights. And that's all that matters. Um, and obviously, we'll talk about this weekend. So, you know, uh, I won't go too deep there, right? But just kind of... Uh, you know, browsing through this schedule, it's it really heats up. You know, you got Spence Ugas coming up. Not that far away, actually, right? We're just uh, uh, 10 days or something like that from, from Spence Ugas. Hopefully some of that undercard uh, fights turn out to be fun fights on that one. I, I do like how they're making it a, a, a six-fight thing. You know, I like when they do that. I hope or do that, like, I gotta say, like, the Canelo Bivol card isn't phenomenal, but it, it's it's not great, but it's way better than the uh, Fury White. I mean, that the Fury White card that got announced, and that's like, really, that's that's what you got. Uh, anyway, Spence Ugas, April sixteenth, plenty of, you know, even like. Uh, Chris Billiam Smith versus Tommy McCarthy, the rematch. There's so many other fights layered in this that I'm not necessarily going to, you know, consistently talk about when I'm, when I'm previewing this stuff. Um, but there is, you know, once in a while I'll mention, you know, stuff here and there, but, you know, obviously I just mentioned it, Fury and Dillian White. I really like that fight. We, we're assuming Dillian White is still alive, but, uh, you know, cause he, I'll tell you this, dude. 
if this was if this was Wilder against Dillian White and Eddie Hearn had won the purse bid and put up that kind of money and Wilder would be not doing any press like that, his head would be rolling. And you'd hear a lot more, especially from the UK media. But the media in general, you'd hear a lot more, you know, even if it was an American fighter for the most part. <clears throat> but don't let a PBC fighter do this. Oh, my God. This, this would be just horrible. I mean, it is pretty crazy. Anyway, Shakur Stevenson, Oscar Valdez, that, uh, you know, a W, well, who cares what the Cubs and the I's and all that, but that's a unification fight. I just mentioned a unification fight in an undisputed fight here, Katie Taylor, Amanda, Amanda Serrano. I mean, and then, like I mentioned, Alvarez, Bivol. I mean, it's, I'm just going down the schedule. Jermel Charlo, Brian Castaño, the, the, the rematch. That's phenomenal. That's another undisputed. Um, I mean... What else we got? Actually, uh, Buatzi against uh, Craig Richards on the zone, May 21st. I, I think that's a kind of an underrated fight. I, I really like that fight. I think that's an interesting step there. Obviously, Gervonta and, you know, Roley. Not really looking forward to that one per se, right? Fulton, Roman. Um, I'm getting messages. <laughs> I'm not going to address a couple of these. <laughs> because it's just the same old stuff. But um, this is a good question about pay-per-view. You know, we're going to get, starting September 16th, <clears throat> we're going to get a, you know, in six weeks, what, four of them? You know, we didn't, I mentioned how we didn't get, you know, a pay-per-view um, for a while now, right, since February 5th. Yeah. And we didn't get one in March, but we're going to make up for it. Doesn't look like there's one in June, but we're we're getting we're making up for it, right? Because we have one back to back. We have three in a matter of what? 4 weeks? 4 or 5 4 weeks. Yeah, because you have the 16th is uh Spence Ugas, Dillian White and Fury 23rd, then May 7th uh Canelo Bivol, and then at the end of the two, three, what, 3 weeks later, at the end of the May you you have uh, the one I just talked about, Gervonta and Roley. So, and I've said this before, like I'm more focused on, excuse me, on two out of those four. When you hit us up with three in five weeks and four in like seven weeks, like four in two months, basically, I'd say. I'm gonna, you know, unless they're just crazy fights, you know, I like Fury and Dillian White. I like the fight. But to me, you know, that'll be the one that I won't buy in, in the Gervonta and Roley. Now, Gervonta and Fury, for that matter, have um, the casual fan base. So if somebody texts me and says, hey, dude, what are you doing? And i got a lot of friends in the bar industry, and a lot of people work late. And if someone says, hey, I already rented this, do you want to come over, dude? Yeah, I mean, then I'll do it, but I'm not going to – um, I'm not going to buy those two. Now, Canelo Bivol and Spence Ugas, I'm all about. I'm all about those papers. 
Um, and that's just my choice. Like I said, I don't think uh, Fury and White is a bad fight or anything like that. A lot of people dog in that fight. I don't see it like that, you know. But I just, if you're going to hit us with this amount in a short amount of time, that, that's, that's what happens. So that, that kind of answers somebody's question there, which was a real question, good question. Um, and then June 4th, biased here, Minneapolis. Um, Stephen Fulton and Daniel Roman, like that's two top five guys going at it. I mean, where do you put Roman at 122? Do you put him third? Do you put him fourth? You got to put him at least fifth. Um, that that's that's a damn good fight. And then that same night, hopefully it's a little earlier. Cambosis and Devin Haney, an undisputed, another undisputed fight. I mean. This shit's just nuts. And then, oh, by the way, another uh, unification. Better be Evan Joe Smith, June 18th. I mean, and then that same, I just mentioned Inoue Donaire, part two, right? That's in there um, in June. And it sounds like Anthony Joshua, I think it's going to be the end of June. Uh, but I, there's no guarantee on that, I guess, right, in in Maybe we should be saying Usyk first. It's the rematch, Usyk against AJ. And that'll probably be... Well, actually, I was going to say it's not going to be a stadium, is it? It sounds like it's going to go to Saudi or something, like Bai or something. Anyway, and there's more fights. Like I said, there there are some interesting undercard fights, like Stanonius. Uh, you know, he's a guy that could have caused some issues. He's taken on Butiev. You know, that's a really good fight. You know, it's just a matter of levels. You know, there's some good undercard fights this weekend that we'll discuss as well. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, it's it's a great schedule. And let's hope, you know, the rest of the year is pretty damn good. July, August, let's hope that pops off. Because you always like to take advantage when, you know, in the middle of summer, it's down to, like, baseball, soccer, football for everybody else, right? Um, the UFC, that type of stuff. It would be really nice if, if, if June or July and August, uh, you know, have some good fights. And maybe it's just like good TV fights too. It doesn't have, you're not going to put all your best stuff, you know, at the beginning and you know, oh look, oh you need a huge fight. A perfect date is early August. Well, not necessarily. The summer type stuff. Some people are just you know busy. There's a lot of weddings in the summer. There's a lot of people that drive out of town. Um, road trips, yada, yada, yada. But I, like I said, I missed a couple in there. That's just kind of like, you know, a gist of the fights. There's more. But, man, I'm really looking forward to those when you look at some of those fights. The Cambosas, Haney, and just kind of talking about that, um, it definitely reminds, you know, I, like a, a variety of other folks, that we're honest about it. We're saying there is going to come a time when Devin and Bill are going to have to make a decision. And this isn't just ripping Eddie Hearn, okay? Hey, man, he made a lot of money with Eddie Hearn. The last two fights were good opponents. Not ripping that, but if you wanted to fight the Lomachenko at that time, the Teofimo, the now Cambosis, you're going to have to sign a deal, you know? 
you're going to have to sign a deal. He was independent for a while. Um, he was still independent this whole time pretty much, um, relatively speaking, right, as far as having paperwork or whatever. We know Devin Haney was on Showbox for a while, right? And then he ended up going to the zone. I think he spotted there like six times. Um, but it was going to come a time where you're going to probably – you're not going to end it. You just don't – like he does fine for his age as far as butts in the seat, media attention, social media stuff. You know, he's, he's on a good path there uh, relating to other fighters – just in general, but it, let alone its age, right? But if you're not, quote-unquote, really putting butts in the seats and, 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 you know, putting up million, two million, three million dollar gates, it's tough to do it, you know, alone. And like I said, he made a lot of good money. He had to take less money to do this, but that kind of makes sense because, you know, you, you get paid what someone's willing to pay, right? You negotiate your worth and this zone in Eddie Hearn thought he was worth this money and that's what they gave him and so he made a lot of money over there and like I said these last two fights were really good opponents um, you know as far as development the Linares fight right it's a name it's an old crafty vet he got hurt in the fight the next time he got hurt against Jojo Diaz once again a good solid name contender level and he he behaved differently you know if you look at the Lenars fight and this fight he did behave differently when he got hurt so it, it you know there's something out of it I'm not just trying to say he he didn't do the Andre you know Andre did end up just making a nice chunk of change like really great money but he really didn't fight anybody uh in that deal and it sounds like that deal is done now we'll see where Andre goes but I always said he's going to have to make he's going to have to make some sort of commitment, whether that's a fight with options, whether that's a three or four fight deal, a couple of years with somebody. He's probably going to have to do it, right? I mean, if he was going to ever fight Gervonta at some point, more than likely he's going to have to go directly with Showtime or whatever, sign with Al. Uh, in this scenario, you know, Cambo. And I give them, you know, I, I give the Haney's respect for the way they wanted to do it, and it was smart in a lot of ways. And now this is smart in a lot of ways because they are now tied contractually to two fights. Well, not, I shouldn't say they're not contracted to fight the second fight because if they lose, then it's not. But it's a one-sided rematch clause. And, you know, Devin Haney tweeted and said plenty of times that, hey, whatever Lomachenko, whatever the deal is, I'll take it. I'll take it. And we got to respect him. He did, you know, and, and I'm really happy about that. But I remember saying, hey, dude, it may not be matchroom where you get the fight. And, and I'm not even saying he should have signed with Showtime because I don't think, you know, clearly Floyd wasn't in a hurry to put Devin Haney and and uh, Gervonta in the ring together, right? I mean, you could say the same thing about Golden Boy and Ryan Garcia over at, well, you could say, well, hey, DeZone has, you know, Ryan Garcia. Well, Golden Boy has Ryan Garcia, 
right? Not He's not signed into stone. So they weren't going to make that fight tomorrow. You know, that's a fight that was going to need some building because they're both so damn young. So I'm not saying, oh, he should have signed with Al or he should have signed with whatever. My point is, and there's going to be a time where an opportunity comes that he's going to have to sign. And if he wins and, you know, the, the rematch for Cambosis is not a guarantee. We don't know what, how that fight plays out. I'm not saying he's going to knock him out and concussion punch him, right? Haney hasn't showed that power on the high levels anywhere at the top, the contender level. He did have that great knockout a couple, you know, a while back, but that guy was, you know, not that high of a level is my point. So, but you never know. You never know what happens in the first fight. Cambosis can beat Devin Haney, and then it doesn't matter, right? So, my point is to have to beat Cambosis in Australia and then go do it again, to go through that politics stuff that happens, that's where I really love it. And then Bob Aram already talked about, well, then, if he gets through that, we're going to build towards a, a Lomachenko fight here. And Haney and Lomachenko on pay-per-view in the States. If you go Cambosis, Cambosis, somebody, and then Lomachenko – or Cambosis, Cambosis, Lomachenko. I mean, wow. Coming off a Jojo Diaz fight? I mean, that would be a hell of a run. So I like that it was like they took the right time. Because this is, this is the boxing business. So, you know, for him to do... Like, here, here's an audio that I played long, long ago. Well, not that long ago. But this is what Bob basically said, and this is what usually happens. But you're going to fight Colby. Right. And then he's going to become the franchise champion. Right. You know, Stephanie never gets a shot at all. Check that one. Well, so that, that may very well be because he signed with the wrong company. That may be because he signed with the wrong company. That's what Bob said right to their face. Right to the face. And I'm not trying to call out Bob for saying it. Hey, it's honest. <laughs> we may not like it as boxing fans. But I'm over that stage. I, I don't like that. Well, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But that's the reality of it. And just to add some more detail, you know, Eddie Hearn actually is quoted on saying that I did not want the rematch. Like, if I was – I advised Devin Haney not to – you know, he said I'm not, I don't want him to take the rematch there again. If they win, they should control it, you know? I mean, that that's what he said. You know, that's what he said. This is from BoxingScene.com, Keith Heidick. You know, Hearns, this is the headline. We wouldn't have agreed to Campos' rematch in Australia on Devin's behalf. And I'm not trying to just call out. I know a lot of people either hate or, or love Eddie. I'm in between. I'm not worried about hating or loving anybody. Pause. But, uh, you know. I'm just, these are facts, and in that, that's what he said, you know, that's what he said, and he said he, you know, I saw it that said that a rematch clause would take place in Australia, which is something that we didn't, we didn't, or wouldn't agree to anyway on behalf of Devin, and in our deal structure, the rematch was in in America, I felt that would be only fair, so you know, um, He'll have two fights in Australia. If he wins the first one, which I believe he will, then no doubt we'll talk after that. Well, I don't know if that really 
makes sense unless there's not a the zone will throw another deal at it. The zone executives wanted the rematch to take place in the States. They also wanted the rights to Cambosis and Haney in the rematch in Australia, but the Bella the deal with top rank in ESPN allows for a pay per view distributor other than ESPN in Australia, thus another revenue stream in, in Australia gets we think we get a lot of pay per views. Australia gets a lot of pay per views. Um, so, and, I, and like I said, I'm not ripping Eddie for saying that because I get that. I do understand that, you know. And, and that's you, you know, you, managers, promoters, they advise their clients. You know, that's how they do it. And you know, I don't know how much this would have. I don't know. To me, I still think the zone should have probably minorly overpaid for this considering what they've overpaid for in the past but that's just my opinion this is a great deal and uh i'm just so happy that fight is signed man it's it's just great that the press conference was pretty solid too they they were kind of going back and forth and uh i did notice though that they were not bringing up any kind of is it an email belt or not is this now undisputed or he's not undisputed? You know, I, I noticed how that kind of faded away pretty quickly now that uh, Haney's part of the uh, team over there at ESPN. But, um, and I've definitely heard, you know, heard a lot less uh, of that with the media now. So is he an email champ or not? Which one is it? You should just probably stay down the line and just say how you feel. Anyway, um, like I said, there's uh, then there's this news-wise, there's this Terrence Crawford stuff. Rumors were kind of going around about a two-fight deal. Um, whether that's multiple fights, a two-year deal, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, <clears throat> Crawford definitely of late when he's been quoted anymore or, or you know, lately he's, he's kind of been saying even Benny the boxer, that's his name, right? That YouTube channel who's in the camp. He's been all pumped saying, you know, I've never wanted to beat. I think he said something like said, he's never wanted to beat Spence more, you know, now he's really pumped for that fight. And, um, and Spence, like I said, he's saying the same thing he did with Pacquiao before the Pacquiao fight. I'm going to, you know, face Pacquiao. And then I'm going to try to, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to try to try to make the Crawford fight. <clears throat> and I did like how he said, you know, egos do get involved and we both have to at least somewhat check them. Whether that, you know, actually turns out or not, that, you know, who knows, <laughs> right? It's, it's negotiations, but either way, it, it can't be more difficult to make the fight now without, you know, with him being a free agent, or at least, you know, supposedly a free agent, you know, because there was a promoter that said that he signed, um, that he signed, the, the intro box promoter claimed that he signed Logan Paul and Terrence Crawford um, not long ago. I was actually, there. The, you know, I was actually going to bring that up. It was on Valley Sports. Um, you know, he's says he has a partnership to promote fights with Entro Box. And the only thing they can actually say about Crawford's possible fight for Entro Box is, oh, 
for Entrobox is anything's possible now. Does that mean he's teaming up with them? Um, I don't know. I have seen, like, I'm familiar with Entro a little bit. I've seen some of their cards. I have noticed that it's on Bally's now. And I'm assuming it, I think I've seen, if I remember correctly, on FS1 and I think on FS2 as well. So maybe FS1 and or Fox Sports in general for FS1 and FS2, maybe they're thinking, well, we don't have to pay nearly as much for this. And they know at least, no matter what boxing's on, it'll at least somewhat hold, um, you know, an audience. And so it's maybe that, you know, that's, that's probably the plan because they are getting put on there. But, um, and then, you know, was the MTK global thing, was MTK like, uh, uh, is that an ongoing thing? Is he, is, is that Terrence Crawford's uh, advisors or is that a short-term deal he was in? We don't know. It's kind of vague. Um, but, there's really no reason not to. And then as far as this summer fight goes, you know, maybe maybe he won't want to wait. But he fight in November? Was that November? With, yeah, that was November with, uh, with Porter. Maybe he won't want to wait till the fall to fight. Because, you know, April 16th comes. Two months later, Spence is not going to fight him, in, in, you know, in June or July. Because you need at least two months plus to have a camp and stuff like that. So that's not going to happen. You know? In a fight like that, they're not going to turn right around and be like, yeah, now the next fight is here. Here's another pay-per-view. You know, they're going to build that a little bit. So, and I mean, I don't mean build it like they're both going to have five fights. <laughs> I mean, it's just not going to turn. You need like a six-month time frame in there probably. But, uh, or, you know, whatever, three to six months. And, you know, you hear the rumors about Keith Thurman and Crawford fighting in the summer. You know, I, at, at this point, it's rumors. You know, I don't know. I think that would be a dope fight only because it would be a fighter that Spence hasn't fought. And, and that, you know, so that adds a little layer to it. Like, hey, you can't even go there, you know. But I, I don't know what his mind frame you know, I don't know if he just wants to go right to the Spence fight or he is going to fight, you know, sign a multi-fight deal and fight someone like Thurman and then fight. I don't know. And, you know, we have to be honest, like if Spence beats Ugas, the WBA is knocking. So if people are going to be hung up on having – oops, the hell? goddamn ad just popped up. My point is if people are going to – we want it to be an undisputed fight, right? But if, if if Ugas or Spence got stripped, you know, of a WBA belt, would it really fucking matter? It'd be the lineal champion anyway. I wouldn't give two shits. Because, I, you know, undisputed is not a thing. Like, lineal titles mean a lot more than undisputed in the last 20, 30 years. Like when I say mean, because there's been a lot more lineal titles than undisputed, as me know. It's awesome that we've had this run, feuded, you know. It's phenomenal. It's much easier to get it accomplished in women's boxing, right? But 
just because they just throw them in, you know, and the, the depth at this point is not as deep, obviously. Um, kind of matters the weight class, but overall, you know, just the numbers, sheer numbers. Um, but, and I bring that up because let's say Stanonius wins. Well, Richard Schaefer has been hell-bent on saying, no, we get Ugas, we get Ugas you know, Spence next. We are the Mando. Now, Schaefer and Al Heyman have had, you know, business dealings with each other in the past, so maybe they could just step aside, you know. Now, he says that he's not going to. Well, you know, if if that happens, I'd rather, you know, Spence just drop the belt and face Crawford. But if Crawford wants a fight first because he doesn't want to have a year off and then fight Spence, which I respect, you know, whatever. And he fought Thurman, and then what's his toast took, you know, Spencer Ugas took care of that Mando, and then they fought. Then I'm not going to be freaking out either. But yeah, I, I for one will not be like, oh, now it, this fight's ruined because it's not undisputed. Oh, you know what I mean? It's like you guys hate the belts, but then you love love them up like that. You know, I, I could care less. And I've already seen it kind of playing out a little bit. That's why I'm kind of preferencing this. But, yeah, I mean, Terrence Crawford, once this fight's done, um, and I'm talking about the Spence Ugas, you know, he should definitely try to get a PBC deal. Now, who knows? You know, I can't say that for sure. It's been offered to him. I don't know. We don't know the details. Crawford's pretty a pretty quiet guy until you get him into an interview. Then he'll say a lot sometimes, right? But, um... I think some of the silence is good. You know, a lot of times when there's silence, like you hear a little bit, oh, they're negotiating in silence. Okay, cool. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I do think both guys want the fight, though. Both guys are sounding like they want that fight. So that's, you know, it's a good, good time frame. Man, these messages are just hilarious, dude. Oh, boy. Anyway, um, oh, yeah, AJ, you know, what, what? the coach, the new head co- – or a new coach, I should say, not head coach per se, but a new assistant trainer in camp, James Ali Bashir. I think that's how you say his name, Bashir, who's obviously very experienced, really, really experienced. Um. You know, I do know someone that calls him Unk that I respect a lot. Hopefully he's listening to the show right now. Shouts out to you, buddy. Um, you know, um, Bashir has a lot of experience in general, right? He does. But he also has a lot of experience training. You know, so the combination of an experience trainer and then he's actually trained the guy you're going to face again and maybe you know he can just add a layer or two that wasn't there right clearly I just don't think Bashir would be cool with sitting in the corner and not screaming something if, if, if AJ's boxing again you know, if they just just stand your jab, AJ, and move a little bit and try to outbox him, you're doing great. 
if they're on that shit, I just don't see uh, Bashir not saying something. I, you know, I don't know who's going to be. I'm a, I don't know who's going to be the lead trainer. I don't think he will be, but I don't know. And I, but we also don't know how much he can chime in. You know. But I think, I think that he would. I have a feeling he'd voice his opinion because he's very opinionated in, in many other ways, right? So why wouldn't he hear right now? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I I don't see why he wouldn't do that. I don't see why he wouldn't do that. Um, there is. I was going to talk about this last week, but I was ducking. You know, if I was ducking. Why don't you call 646-381-4990 is the number to call. It's not a screaming match. It's not a yelling match. Let's debate. Keep messaging me. 646-381-4990 is the number to call. If you keep messaging me, though, it's like, if I was ducking something, why would I just, I'd never do another boxing podcast, would I? I mean, right? Because if I'm going to, a week will go by and it'll be like, oh, people will forget or something. People don't even know basically what you're saying anyway, probably. But I, anyway, sorry, I keep getting distracted here. So I talked about this, uh, uh, I don't even know how long ago, whether it was three months ago or longer or shorter, I, somewhere in there. Um, maybe longer. But there is a, not just a rumor, but a, you know, it started out as a rumor, then a strong rumor. It sounds like it's for sure happening. Um, that there's a new, there's going to be a new fight app announced here shortly. They already have, um, I believe, two or three main events ready, or, or cards, I should say. Um, the announcement is supposed to be in April. I've heard from a variety of folks. I don't have this awesome source that gives you the exact detail, but a new fight app. Is going is coming down the pipe basically, and I think I said coming down the pipe a couple months ago, <laughs> but it's it's gonna be announced soon, is, is from the sounds of it. And there's been plenty of media, well not plenty, but there's been media members that have actually Woodsy, the guy who just blocked me not long ago, he actually um, hinted at something big's coming, and presumably. You could think it was this. I don't know that to be a fact. Maybe it is. But a a new fight app, I've heard a variety of different prices for it, whether it's, you know, $2 or $1.99 or or $7.99. I don't know. I've heard $5. I've heard $1.99, $4.99, and and something else. I don't remember the exact name. But we'll see. You know, supposedly it has has, uh, funding. There has been an entity or two that has been funding podcasts, um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm saying it's, you know, so is that the money behind it? I don't know for a fact. I'm not trying to act like I have the exact source of the exact information, but the writing was on the wall a little while ago, and that's what seems to be happening. Fight app announcement coming soon. Announcement coming soon. Maybe they're going to announce it during next week, during you know 
during the Spence Gugas. I don't know. But, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. I have no clue. Maybe the PBC is going to be on it. You know, I don't know. And that's going to be their new deal with Showtime and that. I don't know. Um, but either way, if they put on good fights and it's an affordable app, we'll see what's behind it. We'll see the fighters. Could it be the promoter I was just talking about that is involved with it? You know, and they have a TV deal and an app. You know, I have no, I don't have all the specifics. I just, I have some information with like light detail that I don't know for a fact. So I don't want to sit here and be like, this is what it's going to be for sure. Eh, I don't like to do that. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm just being honest with you. Unless I know for pretty damn for sure. You know what I mean? But this is not a floated around rumor. This seems like it is going to happen. Let's hope it's two bucks. Right? I think even Glazer even talked about this. So you know it's happening. It's Glazer. I mean, shit, dude. I love that people – I don't love it, actually, but I, I just – it boggles my mind that people still – you're clearly over-the-top biased if, if, in a whole lot of other things, dealing with ignorance and other stuff. If you think Glazier is a, is a great follow and a, and a quality boxing guy. Now, I'm not talking about – once again, this is a perfect example. I'm not talking about being a Hall of Famer in state stuff like that. I'm not saying he, he didn't do anything in the box because that has nothing to do with it. Once again, it's, okay, but right the fuck now, he's a bullshit. You know what I mean? Not all the time. He does, I mean, he, he brought up this app too. You know, he talked about a variety of stuff. But, um, it, it's, it's, it, it, it just boggles my mind that people use him as a, a 100% source or, not even just a source, but like, agree with what he tweets on some just ignorant, stupid fanboy shit. That's just like, God damn it. Uh, just get back to what you were doing to get Jim the State Hall of Fame. Yeah, maybe some other business, right? Anyway, um, I don't really want to bore you with too much fight news more. Um, <laughs> it's like clockwork. Someone just messaged me with, uh, <laughs> with, uh, um, with a glazed tweet about it. <laughs> Thank you for that. I needed that. That'll be, I'll put that in there. I'll put that in the, uh, the segment. Anyway, Gennady Golovkin, Royata, Murata. Um, I mean, shit. First of all, it's on the zone, right? I think it's on Amazon in Japan. I believe it's on the zone here though. I think in the UK as well. You know, I got to admit, I've never been a big component or a big, not fan, but I've never thought very highly of Murata. Okay? Um, you know, he lost to Rob Brandt a couple years back. I mean, that's, that was in like 2018, I'm pretty sure. And then he beat him right away, second round or third round or whatever it was. Prior to that, he lost a close fight to uh, Indom, which, you know, he's just a contender guy. Uh, 
Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I just never thought that highly of him. And it is funny that the media pick and choose about the WBA and who to, who to, you know, this is a real unification, but eh, really? Because uh, he hasn't fought since 2019. <laughs> it's like, it's almost two and a half years since, since he's uh, laced him up. But yet he got to keep his belt just fine. Didn't have to do a Mando or anything like that. Um, and he beat Andam to get that. It was a vacant belt. So he got the belt in 2017. Well, the, it was a vacant belt in Dom in Murata in 2017 in the summer. Then later, or in May, then later that year he beat him. And then he lost to Brandt and then beat him. And then he took on Stephen Butler in December 23rd, 2019. And somehow this dude still hasn't been stripped or had to have a content, you know. And I know that, you know, COVID was in there, obviously. But you could say that to all these fighters. Now, Japan had a different COVID, you know, regulations and laws and enforcement. We all know that. But um, my point is, it's not just to rip Murata. He's okay. He's good. I'm not saying he's a horrible fighter by any stretch, but unless Golovkin is just completely shot, I see him beat them and beat them cleanly. Now, it's been a long-ass time, a year and a half. December 18th, 2020 is the last time Golovkin fought. Now, obviously, on the new, in the, it was supposed to be New Year's in Japan. That's when they're going to fight. But obviously, you know, COVID wiped that away. But don't get me wrong. That long off, almost a year and a half, or basically a year and a half, is a long time to be off. But, you know, add another year onto it, and then you're where Murata is. So that it's tough, man. You know what I mean? It's tough to use that as the, the point of, hey, dude, Golovkin's been off for a long time. I mean, that's true. And, you know, he's, I believe he's 40 now, isn't he? Am I right? Is he 40? I think he's 40. Um, But, you know, the dude he's facing hasn't fought in so damn long. (laughs) So it's, it's, there is no advantage there. And, you know, he's never even fought a top fighter in his whole career, in my opinion. I mean, Brant is from Minnesota, so you'd think I'd be biased there, right? But I just, you know, I just, it is what it is. So, like, I've heard multiple people call this a super fight because it's a, you know, it's a, you know, it's a unification. The only thing that it may, I I would never call it a super fight, but it is a major event, though. It's a huge event because it's going to be in a stadium in Japan, and it's supposed to be popping. So it is a major event, but I just, and like I said, I've I've heard multiple people call it a super fight, and I respect those people, but I, I just respectfully disagree. It's a huge event, though. It is a huge event. I got Golovkin winning, though. 
Um, will he stop him? He could. He probably should, but eh, I'll say, you know, a unanimous decision. But uh, beyond the first chunk of rounds, whether that be three to five or midway, whatever, I, I like, unless Golovkin, like I said, is just completely shot completely shot, then, you know, think he is completely shot. And you think Murata has a legitimate chance. He's a, a plus 400 and above. You can get him as high as FanDuel has him a plus 450. So, you know what I'm saying? It, I'm just putting that out there. I'm not telling you to bet in a state that doesn't have legal betting. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that that's something you may want to take a flyer out. It just, like I said, the, we'd at least have more of a debate and an argument if if Murata hadn't been out even longer. You know what I mean? So it, it, that's the thing that really stands out to me. It's like, well... Yeah, fuck. I mean, Golovkin's been out forever, but his opponent's been at another year. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so yeah, I, I definitely see uh, Golovkin getting the job done on that one. Um, Nakatani and Yam- what is it, Yamachia for the WBA. Nakatani's uh, WBA flyweight title. I definitely am interested in that fight. And Yoshino and Ito, or Ito, yeah, Ito, that's a good fight. In fact, if you look at the odds, that's right there with Lubin and Fundora as far as the closest odds odds of the whole weekend. Uh, Right right now, Yoshino is a minus, you can get him at minus uh, 200, minus 190, at five dimes. And Ito, plus 154, plus 150. I think the highest I see him at Betway is plus 160. So that's a good fight. That's an interesting fight. So I definitely will be uh, looking out for that one. Um, And, you know, I mean, Mayer is fighting on ESPN. I don't want to leave her all the way out of it, you know. Uh, Jennifer Hahn, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to leave her out of it. I think that's, uh, Andrew Maloney and Gilberto Mendoza and Jason Maloney actually fight on that one. Floyd Diaz is fighting on the other card. Duke Ragon, he's fighting the uh, standout uh, for the American team this last summer. Um, the wel- There's welterweights, too. Who the hell is uh, Giovanni Satelli? Oh, what the hell is his name? I should check. Um, so that's actually after a prelim UFC card. So hopefully it gets a little bump there. That'd be kind of cool. Um, on the zone at night, uh, this is from San Antonio, Ryan Garcia in over a year as well. Emmanuel to go. Tago, I think it is. Um, he's a little, he's awkward. He, I could, he definitely um, fits under the awkward thing, but it, it shouldn't be a problem, you know. I mean, we've seen Ryan Garcia get um, hurt numerous times, but really only 
dropped recently. Well, shit, in his last fight with Campbell. Prior to that, he had those back-to-back fights where he um, looked a little out of shape. He admitted it. Uh, just was sloppy. You know what I mean? Just He definitely made a lot of improvements uh, after that. Eddie Reynosa was behind that as well as improvements. On that card, Gabriel Rosado and Shane Mosley Jr. Uh, Asparza is taking on uh, Fujika or something like that. Let me check. I know it's for it's a unification fight, so that should be interesting. Um, Patrick Teixeira and Paul Venezuela, I think, is on the card, too. Actually, yeah. Yep, it is for the WBC-WBA Women's Flyweight Unification. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Ryan Garcia should win this fight fairly cleanly. Um, Vegas definitely thinks that, um, they're not really giving Oakley much of a chance. Uh, you never know though. This is boxing as it says. I think the lowest you can get is plus seven, 700. So seven to one odds are the, the most you can get there. That's something, but I, yeah, I got Garcia. I think he'll knock him out, but I, either way, I, I do see him, uh, you know, winning fairly cleanly, I would have to say. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he'll knock him out. I actually do think he'll knock him out, but, you know, who knows? There, there might, you know, he, he obviously got a new trainer. There might be some things that he's going to work on in this fight. Yeah, he, he hasn't fought since the beginning of, so January 2nd, 2021, so. It's been, you know, about 15 or 16 months. Um, the guy he's facing, you know, hasn't, I mean, you know, he lost his first fight. <laughs> he's got a shiny record, 32-1, and one, 15 KOs. Um, he recently snuck by uh, Mason Menard. I remember that. Um, Moses, I know he face Moses. Uh, he just doesn't have anybody on his resume that says Ryan Garcia might have a, might have some problems. Now, you know, in the first couple rounds, you know, could he have just some, you know, get hit clean or whatever shit. Even uh, several years ago, Terrence Crawford used to get hit clean early in fights and then knock the dude out. So, I mean, that's just not, you know, sure, that, that could happen. You know, that's a possibility. But I don't see uh, the upset whatsoever. I, mean, I don't think I haven't seen anybody. I don't think I've seen anybody uh, pick that. So you know that'd be pretty ballsy if you picked it though. Um, the Showtime, obviously Erickson Lubin, Fundura. I believe um, the great boxing in mind, John, is is going to roll up here in a couple of minutes. So I'll save the Lubin Fondora uh, breakdown a little bit. Tony Harrison and Sergio Garcia. Now this one stands out to me. You know Garcia, whether it was Fondora the the way he fought or whatever, but I don't know he he made it like an awkward enough fight, a slow fight or whatever you want to say to be in the fight with Fondora. And I did, did kind of think that if anyone was going to box, it wasn't going to be Fundura. You know, Fundura, I didn't, I didn't see him boxing anybody. Um, and it looked kind of ugly. You could tell he's not that great at it, right? But Sergio Garcia, 
is actually like a fairly clean favorite against Tony Harrison. And Harrison in his last outing definitely did not look good, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you think Tony Harrison is going to beat Sergio Garcia, you can get him for a plus 20 at five dimes, plus 200 pretty much down the way. So that's something to, uh, something to take note. You know, but obviously Vegas thinks he's well past it, you know. And like I said, that Bryant Perella, a lot of people just thought that was a, hey, get the rust off type of fight. But that was a draw. That was a close-ass fight. Some people thought Bryant Perella won. And that was Perella's, I won't say first fight at 54 because I don't think it actually was. And you know how, like, when you're a contender, especially when you're, in your first 10 to 15 fights, you can, you don't always weigh in right at 147. You know, you weigh around it. Um, in fact, I think that's what's going to happen here with uh, Ryan Garcia and, and Tago. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's been almost a year since, uh, since he last fought uh, Tony Harrison. So, whereas, you know, his, his opponent, Garcia, did take his first loss against Ventura. Um, but it was a competitive, it was fairly competitive. I think it was more competitive than people thought it would be. Um, and, you know, I mean, you could say Sergio Garcia's, you know, resume wasn't great, you know. I know he beat uh, Radachenko and... Uh, He's been, I know that, um, but you know, he, he didn't, he didn't walk in there with a great resume, but that's something that I'm, I'm definitely going to have to take a flyer out on more than like, well, definitely. I, I probably will because I just think the and the punching power of Harrison, he'll probably be rejuvenated or not rejuvenated, but at least mentally, hopefully in a better spot than he was just in general in the Perella fight. And he may have, you know, taken that fight like, ah, oh, this is going to be fairly easy. You know, I'm not saying he for sure did, but could see how you could fall in that trap, you know. Um, also, Perella's on the card. He's taking on Kevin Selgado. So this is a 10, both of them are 10 rounders at 154. Um, Hackett. Jaleel Hackett and uh, Dorian Khan Jr. are on the undercard. There's some other fights on the undercard as well. Um, oh, by the way, I think Mayer is going to win going away by decision over uh, Jennifer Hahn. I should actually look at the, the odds of that. It's probably pretty. Yeah, she's a yeah, she's a ten to one, eight to one minimum. I even five dimes have her plus four fourteen fifty. Maybe you put a little on the plus. Uh, no, I got Meyer. Uh, Meyer to you know take care of that. That that shouldn't be a problem. I think she'll win there pretty cleanly. So um, there is one more fight that I, I definitely want to get to, but like I said, in the next couple minutes, I believe we're going to have um, John pop up. So I want to just kind of let him do his thing there 
and see, you know, if he calls in here. I know he just had a little bit of time, but I know he'll want to talk about um, he'll want to talk about this fight because, you know, like I said, I, I'm really interested to see, you know, um, when you know Ryan Garcia back in the fold. You know, we we need all hands on deck. Um, not just that lightweight, but in boxing, but especially lightweight 140, this, this this weight class right now. We need everybody, dude. And Ryan Garcia, obviously, you know, he draws a lot of attention, whether it's something he says or, um, you know, something he puts on YouTube or Instagram. Obviously, Instagram is his number one outlet. But the dude can punch, obviously, right? He said obviously a lot. Um he can punch. He can fight. Joe Goosen is in his corner now. So, you know, I'm looking forward to this, man. I'm looking forward to this. I think it's uh, not the fight, but just having him back in the fold. And uh, hopefully he gets a big fight, you know, coming up. And, you know, instead of just – I'll just do my breakdown, and I'll literally stop my breakdown and let John in if he wants to uh, – if he has time to call in, I know that uh, he doesn't. I know he didn't have much time. So, um, and then Portland, Josue five hundred three. If you want in, let me know. Um, you know, for the show in general. Otherwise, if John's not able to call in, I kind of just had to do the show. You know what I mean? I wanted to do it last night, but it didn't work out. And since I was sick. I was like, I gotta do one. I gotta do one tonight. So I didn't really tell a lot of people about it. So hopefully, um, and it, you know, the people that are on right now, I see some numbers, just a few numbers that I don't, I, I haven't seen before. I'm not familiar with. If you want to press one and join in, cool. If not, cool too. Whatever, whatever's clever on that. Uh, maybe that's just you know one of some mysteriousness uh, messaging going on um but we'll see anyway let's talk about this Fundora and uh and erickson lubin fight in this one um betting odds wise is super super tight like this is this is closest fight closest main event for sure but i think it actually is the closest main event or or fight in general on the schedule that other one i mentioned Maybe that is uh, closer, but uh, let me go ahead and get uh, ProBoxingOdds.com in. It's a damn good site because it lays it all out there for you. Um, not everybody, you know, uses the same sites and whatnot, so it's nice to see the going rate in a variety of ways. And you know, when you're thinking about fights, previewing fights, not just betting, but you know, predicting and whatnot, predicting upsets. Yeah, here it is. Fundora's, uh the highest I see him is plus 140. Otherwise, it's like plus 108, one plus 110, up to plus 120. And then obviously Lubin, the highest I see him is minus 164, but he's right in it. This is a 50-50 fight, you know, on the books in Vegas, period. It just is. And that's why I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, there's not a title at stake, but 
do you really think I give a shit about this is the best fight on paper this weekend and I'm sure you know it 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 it, it won't get as much love some of it would just be PBC stuff but just in general cuz you know Golovkin and Ryan Garcia are fighting those are big names right and Golovkin and Ryan Garcia hasn't fought in a while so they'll probably get the attention this week but that other fight I talked about, some of those undercard fights, and then this fight is the one that I'm really looking forward to. Fun watching Fundora get developed, right? Basically right before our eyes, especially you know here in uh, Minneapolis. I, I've seen him fight multiple times. Um, you know, he had that, this is like late summer 2019, he had that job with Jamonte Clark, where Jamonte... Freaking, I've never seen a guy, I've seen people get knocked out of rings, but he got knocked out of a ring, and where I was sitting, because this is before I sat in the balcony, like, and, you know, both of them are super tall and super long, super long-legged, right? So, the all I saw is legs. Like, I saw him go over the, you know, outside the ring, and I just saw legs standing straight up like he's doing a headstand. I was like, oh, my God. But sure enough, dude got back in the ring and earned a draw. I thought that was always pretty dope, man. But I remember that Donnie Marshall fight. I'm literally on his box rack right now. Daniel Lewis, that was kind of a comeback fight after that really close fight. Gallimore, um, Habib Amid. I remember that guy got on ESPN, I think, against Gilberto. Uh, you know, not a good reason. And, you know, he got starched here, too. Jorge Coda was another one, and then obviously Sergio Garcia. And in that fight, I did think he won cleanly, but I I don't know. I mean, for him to try to box that opponent was kind of like troubling a little bit. It was kind of like, really, dude? But I, I think he'll be back to his own. Um, but after, obviously, on the other side, Erickson Lubin taking that L to Charlo, you know, he, he's faced some solid dudes. Gallimore himself, actually. Uh, Goucher. Gauchier, who obviously just gave, you know, Tim Zhu a good fight. And recently, last summer, I believe, Rosario. Actually, let me check that. Yeah, last summer, uh, June. So it's been a while since he fought, too. Um, but Rosario, I did like what I saw. You know, back-to-back fights, though. He did, and Gallimore a little bit, but, you know, he did get hurt, like, fully. You know, not where he's on the ground and he's barely doesn't have any legs or whatever. He's just just lucky to be, you know, make it to the, the last round or whatever, or maybe it happened in the last round. He's lucky to be, you know, I'm not going to say that. I mean, shit, he was pretty hurt in one of those fights, though, in both of them, really, but especially, I think, the Goucher. But, you know, Lubin, he had, like, let's go over the positives. First of all, he's quicker. Not to say Fundura's slow, but, you know, he's quicker. He can get, he can get, like, quick combos off pretty quick. Um, He could be a very straight puncher, too. Um. When, you know, he's going to have to get inside, so he'll have to use his jab a fair amount. And your footwork, right, your feet, 
You're going to have to use your feet to get inside and upper body movement as well to get inside and then be around there, right? Um, And when he's inside to shorten up those punches, you know, he's going to have to shorten up his punches somewhat. He's going to want to be the guy that catches, that has the straighter punch and the shorter punch Um, because there's probably going to be some exchanges here, right, with with Fondora, whereas Fondora – He'll throw some straight punches. He'll throw looping punches. He'll pump his jab. I don't know if you want to double and triple jab just in fear of, you know, getting countered too much. But he definitely shouldn't try to box all night. You know, that's for sure. He definitely shouldn't try to box all night. Um, and, you know, in my opinion, I, I don't I don't think he should do that. I think that would be a mistake. Oh, real quick, let's get him in here. Let's bring in John real quick. I'm actually just talk, just started talking about the Lubin Fundora. We're going to break this weekend down with them. What's going on, John? How you doing, man? Hey, Chris. Thanks for uh, thank, thanks for having me. Uh, just more to normal tonight, but we got uh, we got a huge weekend of fights. So glad to get a chance to break them down a little bit uh, with you. And, yeah, uh, definitely. Of course, Why don't you Lubin... just go ahead and take the lead? All right. Well, we got Lubin, we got Lubin Fundora. We'll, we'll start with that one since you were talking about it, and that's the most competitive fight of the night, according to the odds makers. Uh, was even money for a long time. Now I see a little bit more money going on Lubin. Um, for me, this has been a progression that I, that I had to think about a lot. I've been a big Fundora fan, and when this fight has been rumored even for a while before it was signed, and and then it, it got signed, and been a big Fundora fan. But just thinking about it, thinking about it, I just didn't like the way he boxed against Sergio Garcia. You know, you and I had talked about him a few times, and, and we're talking about, especially I was talking about how I really liked that I'd never seen in my time watching boxing. Of course, a guy that tall for 154 pounds, and then the way he was leaning forward, pushing people back, and just ripping those uppercuts with that leverage he got from that you know, six, that, that huge frame for the weight. And, uh, you know, he didn't do that against Garcia. He said he just wanted to box, but, you know, Garcia is not even a puncher. And I thought he clearly won the fight, but I started uh, thinking about that a bit. And then I thought about, you know, I just don't like Lubin's chin, but, you know, part of that was of course stopped and won by Jermel Charlo and then hurt by Gaucher, who I was looking at as a non-puncher. But even though his KO percentage is low, after he fought Lubin, you know, Gaucher took out Germonte Clark, who had a draw with uh, Fundora. And then he hurt right. Kim Zhu, dropped him uh, in, in the first round, of course, in their recent fight. So I started thinking, well, doesn't mean I think Lubin's got a great chin, but in my experience of watching boxing, when a guy starts pulling back and not wanting to be aggressive, like Fondora against Garcia, you know, I'm not buying that bit that, you know, he, he just wanted to show he can box. I mean, b- boxing is the toughest sport. I said it all the time because it is. And, you know, these guys take a lot of risk and, you know, you, you almost can't blame him, but it, it's like when a guy to me starts pulling back and, you know, he, he doesn't want to do that anymore. In other words, you know, he doesn't want to lean on people and just 
That's what I think. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to do that against Lubin, and I don't think he can beat him that way unless, you know, Lubin's chin just is that bad. So I always had it as a Fundora fight in my mind, but I think now I'm going with Lubin, provided they both make weight comfortably. All those, you know, qualifiers, which we've talked about, I think you have to have because we've seen, you know, Martinez most recently against Chocolatito. You know, when, when a guy just doesn't make the weight, a lot of times it doesn't go out well. It doesn't come out well for them, and they don't perform. You know, we saw Wild or Heavy for some fights. They, they just don't perform as well. So provided the weights are sound from both guys, I, I think I'm changing now. doesn't mean I don't like Fundora, but, but I, don't, I don't like him the way he fought Garcia. I, that's not what I liked about him. And I could be wrong, but I'm just not. I'm just not expecting a return to the level of aggression he had before that because Lubin does have some pop. So I'm looking at it as, you know, if he didn't want to be that aggressive against Sergio Garcia, why is he going to really turn up that heat against Erickson Lubin? Now he should strategy wise, but I just meant mentally, I'm just not sure he's going to do it. So I think Lubin's offensive pop then should be able to, you know, be superior to what Fandora is going to do when he's boxing. And I, I think now I'm, I'm going to go with Lubin uh, for those reasons. So we also yeah, have, that's, uh, fair. that's fair. Yeah. And I, right. Um, who, what, who are you thinking in that fight right now, Chris? Yeah. I like Lubin too. Yeah. I, I, I've made that switch. So then we've got, um, on that card also, this one, I'm having a little trouble and I'll tell you why, making a pick right at this point. I, I'm going back and forth on this one a little. Uh, Harrison and Sergio Garcia, since we were just talking about him. You know, you got to give Garcia some credit for, I mean, Fondora has shown, had shown some pop, even though he boxed in that fight and didn't really hurt Garcia in that fight or anything. Um, Garcia hung in there. I thought he clearly lost. He's not a puncher. Um, and, you know, Harrison, you know, I think in a way, Harrison maybe gets too much credit. Um, you know, every time he stepped up, he hasn't done much. And then I know people say, oh, well, what about, you know, that, that first fight with Jermel Charlo? Well, to me, all he did, he was got, went 12. I mean, I don't say it often, but I thought that was a robbery. You know, uh, it wasn't Jermel Charlo's best performance, but Harrison, to me, didn't do anything. And, you know, he got a decision. And then the rematch was a real good fight, but, you know, Harrison got stopped. They got stopped by Hurd. He got stopped by Willie Nelson, who's not a puncher. Um, you know, every time his level of opposition increased, you know, and then he's coming off a draw with Perella that I wouldn't quite call that one a robbery, but I thought Perella deserved the win. Um, but, but here's the thing I'm looking at. Except for Willie Nelson, I mean, Perella does have pop. The other guys who have beaten Harrison have pop. Sergio Garcia doesn't have that. The, the one thing that makes this fight so interesting to me is kind of guy Harrison can look good against, you know, Garcia is not a fearsome puncher. He's going to be boxing with them. And, you know, Harrison can do that. Now, you know, that's kind of the way the Perella fight went with him and he didn't do that well where I think Perella won, but Perella does have pop, even though Perella was boxing him in that fight. I mean, you know, Perella is not a guy you can sleep on. He He does have punching power. So, you know, you can't, you can't just, uh, you know, walk in on him or, or ignore that. But, you know, with Garcia, Harrison's not really going to have to worry about power. 
Um, but the thing that worries me about Harrison is what I said. You know, every time the guy, to me, has stepped up, because to me that first Jermel Charlo fight doesn't count, so to speak. I mean, he went 12, yes, but I just thought he got a gift. So the way I analyze it, you know, every time the guy's fought better opposition, he's fallen short. And, you know, is Gar- does Garcia fall into that better opposition category? That's kind of where it gets dicey for me. I mean, odds makers do have Garcia a slight favorite. Um, so I-, I keep going back and forth on this one because I do think style-wise, the fight it's tough. That is a good matchup. Yeah, it's a good matchup for Harrison, I think. I mean, if Harrison was facing a puncher here, I'd say forget it. But this is a good style. This is the kind of style Tony Harrison can still look pretty good against. But he just hasn't done it every time he stepped up. So, you know, is a Garcia who was able to go the distance with Fondora, you know, does he count as a step up? I mean, that's that's kind of what's tricky. That's where I keep going back and forth. Um, I was originally thinking it was a good style matchup for Harrison even though I don't have a lot of faith in him for the reasons I've said. But then I started thinking every time the guy stepped up, he hasn't been able to do it. And, you know, Garcia at least did show some fortitude against Fondora. You know, he, he didn't come to fold or anything like that. You know, I, I think maybe now I'm slightly leaning towards Garcia for that reason. But, but for me, for me, this is a close one for the reasons I'm saying. Good style matchup for Harrison, but he just – he just hasn't done it to me any time he's stepped up at all. Um, and and that, I just can't – it makes him hard for me to put much faith in. So I, I think I'm – I got a slight lean now, I think, towards Garcia. But I, I, to me, this is a pretty tight one. What, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I'm stuck. I got to admit, because I'm looking <laughs> at that plus two hundo and like, hmm, well, you know, right. I, I may be – it may be kind of what um, – the smart thing to do back in fantasy boxing when we used to do a fantasy boxing during the show where you, you kind of put money on the underdog, but pick the favorite. Um, so yeah, I, I'm stuck. I was just, I was just breaking that one down and I really don't know. I mean, you know, Harrison having some time off to kind of regroup, he did have some stuff going on, you know, prior to that. And also, He's going to take this guy serious. Maybe he didn't, you know, take Perella as serious with the guy coming up and wait or whatever. I don't know what it was, but uh, I agree. Perella, if, if someone says, hey, I thought Perella won the fight, you're not going to get a debate from me. Um, but there's just something about Harrison, that power, and he does, you know, have that ability to box very strongly, and, and when he lands, it's so clean and a lot of times hard. You know, he can hurt you. Well, see, I, 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 you make a good point. Now, for betting, right? I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I never. The odds makers always know better than all of us, no matter we, what we want to think. So I can't ignore the way they have it. But with that understood, I'm with you that, like, to me, this one does seem more like a, a minus one ten, minus one ten. You're looking at it like that. So, from pure betting value perspective, yeah, I saw Tony Harrison. I think at like a plus one ninety five or something like that. I mean. That's, to me, it, for a fight that seems to be kind of a true minus 110, minus 110, even money type, even though that's overused, I think this one, to me, is that. Harrison does look like a pretty good value. And you make a point that where I said I like the style matchup, right, Garcia not being a puncher, you know, 
we we don't see Harrison's power when he steps up. We haven't. But with a non-puncher like Garcia, you know, when I saw Tony Harrison on the way up, when he was fighting guys that were a little bit lower level or couldn't punch, I mean, like you said, he would show some power. But every time he yep. stepped up, you're not seeing it. But that's the thing that's interesting. But how high is this step thinks, up? You know, that's what I'm wondering. Exactly. Like how, right. is, you know, that's the tough part. Right. Right. It might not be that high of a step up, and we know Garcia is not a big puncher. Now, Harrison doesn't have a good chin. I think we can say that. But, but yeah, I think you yeah. make a good point. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it that's interests me with Harrison with this style matchup and who he's fighting is if the Tony Harrison who throws the right hand with some power shows up because of who he's fighting, yeah, that, he, he's, look, he, he's a good value then. So um, that, that, makes, that makes it tight. And then, of course, we've got, um, you know, we, worth mentioning briefly because, you know, I've liked another guy who is funny, even though, you know, he's a southpaw, unlike Harrison, but it, it, in a funny way, a little bit of similarities maybe with Tony Harrison. You know, Bryant Perella, a guy who's had a lot of pop against lower-level opposition, real lot of pop, stepped up and hasn't shown as much, and the chin hasn't really been there. Um, but, you know, lost to somebody as good as Ugas, uh, you know, Colazzo, you would have think he should have been able to maybe handle him a little better. Couldn't, did go the distance. Um, and then, you know, I thought Zach Reese robbed him against Abel Ramos in that fight. Um, but he did get, he did get dropped hard, you know, at the end a couple of times. Um, but I thought he should have been allowed to hear the final bell. Now he's fighting a, a Mexican opponent that, that almost looks like these kind of guys that have pulled upsets on the Eddie Hearn shows. <laughs> you know, the guy's, the guy's undefeated. He's got some knockouts. He hasn't beaten anybody you've ever heard of. Um, but, you know, as we've seen, sometimes you don't know about these guys. Sometimes these you, know, you don't like to generalize too much, but some of these unknown Mexican opponents, most of them do punch with power, and that, that can be the – the game changer that, you know, because power can be an equalizer and Perella hasn't had the greatest chin. So I don't know anything really about this guy, except he's undefeated and, you know, he's got some KO percentage, but fighting nobody, but you know, Bryant Perella has, the guy's only 24 though. And, you know, Perella's in his thirties now. So, you know, if the guy hits Perella on the chin, I'd say anything can happen, but, you know, for Bryant Perella, he did look boxing with Roy Jones. I, I was very against Harrison. I was very skeptical of that, but the two of them proved it to me. I mean, that, that worked in that fight. I, I just thought that, you know, sooner or later Harrison would catch him with something, but, or he might catch Harrison. But instead, it was just a boxing match the whole way, and he actually outboxed Harrison, which is what Roy Jones' strategy was for him. So I assume he's going to try to fight like that again. Um, so, you know, with Perella, it's always, you know, he's, he's got to keep from getting caught. Um, but, you know, in terms of his upside, you, you'd like to see him even show some power, you know, get back to showing a bit of that power because on his way up, he really did show a lot of power. And, uh, you know, his first Showtime appearance, he's been on Fox before, but this is a, this is a really good card. So big, be a good chance for Perella to look good, but, but I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen because, this guy, he's fighting a wild card, and Perella has shown some chin problems in the past. So in that respect, who knows what's going to happen there. And then um, we've got the big one, um, Murata and Golovkin, Saturday morning in the U.S. 
Um, you know, Murata brings some things to the table. He's got size. He's got amateur pedigree. I think his power is real, but, you know, his, his opposition hasn't been the greatest. And, he, you know, he's got the, the draw with Dam, and then, you know, the decision lost to Rob Brandt. But he blew away Brandt in the rematch. And then even though Stephen Butler's not that great, the next fight after that, he blew away Butler. I mean, with, with both of those fights with impressive power displays. Golovkin, I think he and Canelo are basically a tie for the best chin in boxing. So, you know, with Golovkin, I mean, to me, the, the Golovkin fans build up some attributes I think that they overrate. But to me, what's not overrated with Golovkin is his chin and his power. Now, you know, I think, Chris, I said you agree with me on this, but, I, but I've got to say it because you've got to call it like you see it. And we, we see these takes on Twitter all the time, and to me, from people who should know better. But, you know, you know these people that, that want to tell you that Golovkin is this, this jabbing def- defensive master, I mean, when you watch his fights, though, that's not his fights. <laughs> I mean, he's not a – he has a power jab at times, but a lot of yeah, times definitely when he jab, becomes – Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but a lot of times when he becomes the jabbing guy, he becomes like the amateur glove kid. You know what I mean? Like he, sure. he's flicking jabs, and, and the, the Mexican style has gone. There's no body attack. And this dude eats right hands. I mean, you know – I mean, he's got the chin. There's no dispute about that. But, you know, Golovkin, defensive master. I mean, you know, did you see the Derry Vinchenko fight or the Jacobs fight or the two Canelo fights? This is a guy that – and I'm not knocking his talent. Like, to me, again, his talent, he's got a great chin. I mean, he's got some skills, but he's got great power and a great chin. And that, that has been his strength throughout his career uh, not not some of these other things that people are trying to tout him with now, and you know, the, the his four fights against his best opposition, two Canelo fights, the Jacobs fight, and Dury Vianchenko, he's gotten hit a lot, and he didn't drop Canelo at all. He did drop Jacobs. He did drop drop Dury Vianchenko. You know, in, in all – again, I, we know what the Golovkin fans want to say, but just, again, the case goes both ways. In all four of those fights, you can make a case Golovkin didn't win any of, the, of those four fights. So w- what I'm getting to is kind of like what we were saying with the Harrison and Garcia. You know, in other words, does Murata at this point – you know, and Murata's in his mid-30s too. He's not young either, which helps Golovkin, and he's been off more than two years, which is a huge detriment. But what I'm getting to is, you know, does Murata fall into even the Derevianchenko class, let's say? Uh, you know, I don't think he's, you know, he's obviously not Jacobs or Canelo, but, but does he fall into maybe that class? You know, is he, of course, different styles, but, you know, he, does, he is an Olympic gold medalist. You know, does he fall into, like, the Derevianchenko class where he becomes, like, let's say within the top five best fighters Golovkin's ever faced. I guess if that's the case, this could be a really interesting fight because you have Murata landing with power on Golovkin. Now, you know, we don't know if Murata can take Golovkin's power. Uh, Golovkin's power appears to still be there. Um, you know, he, he had no problems at all with Sharameta. You know, Sharameta's not very good, but he blew him away, and that's that's what you got to do. So, I mean, I'm going to give the guy at least the props for that. He's he's still taking care of business. You know, he blew away roles. Now, these guys are, again, not on the level of 
the first the four toughest fights he's had in his career. And you know now what the what the Golovkin fans want to say, well, you know John, those four fights you've talked about, Golovkin was not in his prime. You know, they, they always want to cut they always cut his prime off right before his prime always cuts off right before the first Canelo fight. So, I mean. Maybe that's true. We we don't you know with Golovkin we don't know. I'll say that. I mean I'll be fair to Golovkin, but to me that's a we don't know. You know when he was fighting guys like Martin Murray and Monroe and Stevens, guys are okay. They're they're, they're definitely nothing special. I think we can all agree on that. And you know, was there a Golovkin in those fights that had he fought Canelo, Derevianchenko, Jacobs at that time that it would have been a lot different. You know, maybe, but I don't think that's a certainty either. I, I just really don't. Because with Golovkin, that was still a lower level of op- opposition than what he fought later on. To me, it's always going to be a mystery. You know, we're just, we just don't know. I mean, you can speculate, but that's all it is is speculation. You know, I do know in recent years, in his four toughest fights in terms of opposition, he hasn't scored a stoppage. He has scored two knockdowns, and all those fights have been tight. I think we can say that fairly. So... Um, I don't know if Murata can bring that or not. The, the two-year layoff, the being off more than two years, that really troubles me because Murata hasn't fought anybody that great. And then, you know, to be off more than two years, and then you're going to face Golovkin. And, you know, if Murata was like a 28-year-old guy or a 25-year-old guy, then you look at the youth. But he's not. That's the thing. He's not. You know, we know now it is an older Golovkin, but, but Murata's not that young. He turned pro later on and and so, you know, he doesn't really have a great age advantage. Um, I think this will be entertaining as long as it lasts. I, I got to say that for this fight. It's maybe not the fight we wanted, but I can't argue with the potential entertainment value, even if it doesn't last that long. I mean, there, there could be some bombs landed, you know. There could be some bombs yeah, landed in this fight as long as it lasts. Um, and I think there, there very well might be. And Murata is a good puncher. Mm-hmm. Golovkin gets hit, so... You know, I think, you know, Murata should probably not be afraid to be aggressive in this fight. You know, I know he's been off for a longer period of time, but see if you can get that power on Golovkin. I mean, Golovkin's had a great chin, but nothing lasts forever with anybody, you know, and and, and even he's got to be getting near the end of the line. So, you know, I think the old school guys used to call it that, you know, one time the the cash register drawer just pops open, you know, the old cash registers. That's dating, right. dating myself, but but you know, may, may, I'm not saying it will, but you know, maybe maybe the cash register drawer pops open on Golovkin one of these fights. I don't know if it's going to be Saturday. With all that said, though, I, I do have a lot of respect for Golovkin's chin and power, and he is a skilled guy. So, uh, you know, I, I just don't think he has the defense, or you know, like every jab he he throws is this ramrod jab. You know, I, I mean, I I kind of did think he was a little more effective with, with the, the Mexican style days, but, but that was lesser opposition that wasn't hitting him back, which is with as much authority. So, you know, he hasn't wanted to quite fight like that against some of these other guys. So, you know, if you look yeah, at the body shot, you, he boxed, you know, the body That's shots. The now, now see, look, that body was, shot. Yep. The body shots have been gone. Now with the Lemieux mm-hmm. fight, he he did do the jabbing and still throw some body shots. You know he hurt Lemieux with the body shot, um, but he he did he did not do that in those other fights against a bit better opposition. So again, is Murata on that level? 
you know, where he can keep Golovkin from going to the body, you know, where Golovkin's worried about that power and, and Golovkin just starts maybe flicking the jab out and you can catch Golovkin with the right hand. Uh, is it like that or, or is Golovkin going to be aggressive enough where he's throwing the power shots, like you said, going to the body and then power is still there for Golovkin as we know, as far as we know right now and the chin and, and that, I would say that should be enough where he's going to get to Murata first. But I, I would like to see Murata be aggressive here and just see see if Golovkin still got that same chin at this point, um, you know, and, and, and really throw that right hand with authority. But I don't, I don't know if that's the way he comes out or not, but it's a totally different opposition. But he, he did come out with guns blazing in his last two fights. Now, that's Rob Brandt and Stephen Butler, not Gennady Golovkin, but still he has been fighting that way so uh that would be very interesting to me <laughs> then it would be a shootout as long as it lasts um but we'll see i mean golovkin maybe he's going to look at that and, and try to fight a little more like he did maybe against somebody like lemieux and then you know see if Murata can take his power when he lands it but I, so i gotta i gotta lean golovkin but you know with Murata with that layoff especially but you know, if if Murata is not that affected by the layoff, I mean, it, it could it could be it could be an interesting fight. What what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think like action wise, stylistically wise, I'm with you. I think it'll be pretty action packed. Um, I like Murata. I think he's a good fighter, but I've never been too high on him. And I also think that, like you said, it's like, well, we could sit there and point to the time off for Golovkin, but you'd have to add another year to Murata. Um, funny how, you know, people have don't give a shit about the WBA when it comes to Murata, you know, even though he hasn't fought oh, yeah, in right. 2019, you know. I mean, exactly. he hasn't even to fought me, in me, 20, uh, 2020 or 2021, you know. Exactly. Now, to me, I'm, and you're absolutely right, Chris, and I'm glad you did point that out because, as you know, I'm real old school on this. And, and to me, the middleweight champ is vacant. I mean, you know, Golovkin gets these alphabet belts that were, you know, vacated a lot of them and stuff, or, okay, beat Lemieux for one, or gets elevated as champ. Look, you know, I don't diminish how tough the guy is as a fighter, but, you know, it, it, it's not, we're not giving away participation prizes here. You know, you got to earn it in the ring. He's never been the lineal middleweight champ. He's never been the champ of ring or transnational. Now, I'm just stating facts. People can scream all they want. That's not me being, a bi- being biased. That's just a simple fact. You can debate that however you want, but that is a fact. So, you know, this is not a title fight to me. This is, you know, Golovkin is, you know, arguably the number one middleweight contender. Uh, no problem with that, you know. And then, of course, Jamal Charlo's right there. And Murata has basically, sure. like you said, you, you got to be fair. I mean, the guy has not fought in over two years in any credible rankings. He, not only is the guy not a champ, you can't have a guy in the rankings when he hasn't fought for over two years. So he, he's basically right. fighting an unranked fighter. So now, of course, if Murata performs well or wins, he's going to be in the rankings, but that hasn't happened yet. So right now it's an unranked fighter. So, yeah, I mean, in, in that in that sense, the fight is wildly overrated with alphabet belts because you've basically got the number one middleweight contender fighting a guy that's fallen out of the rankings that hasn't fought for over two years. That's why I always like getting back to traditional analysis because I think it puts perspective on things. And that's really what it is. I do like Golovkin winning it, but I, I, I do think it'll be fun, you know, a fun way to, to get there, no doubt about it. And Murata's yeah, still in kinda... the uh, 
Murata's still in the uh, – he's number five on the Ring um, Ring Magazine um, ranking. Okay, so you make a good point. I didn't look at Ring's. He, he's at a transnational. I just looked but, at it. Yeah, you're, you make yep. a good point. And, and see, that, that I got to criticize him on because the Ring has laxed their inactivity policies too much, I think. And, you know, transnational has followed traditional ones. And transnational even did give – you know, leeway for COVID changed because of the special circumstance. But again, yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody else has been fighting even since there's been COVID. Murata hasn't fought for over two years. How can he be in anybody's rankings? And you got to scold the ring for that because, yeah, I mean, that's where you got to. Yeah, because Le- Leo Santa stretchers. Cruz is, isn't a featherweight, even though his last fight was that featherweight. Why? Because he didn't fight there in a long ass time. Right. Leo Santa exactly. Cruz. Right. You know? So. Yeah, so Murata, so it's like, all right, well, <laughs> Murata shouldn't be ranked at this point. So, right. um, yeah, that's interesting. But, uh, but I think that's pretty much my summary of uh, for the weekend. I mean, this should be a, this should be a good weekend of action. Um, oh, Ryan Garcia, we got too. I think he blows away yep, Tago yep. as long as he makes weight yeah. okay. Uh, Tago, I just don't think it's a threat. Uh, you know, he didn't impress me at all against Menard, and uh, I thought he. Other people disagree, but I really did agree with the one judge in that fight. I thought that Tago had let that fight be pretty close. Uh, so, to me, no problem there for Ryan Garcia if he's prepared. Uh, should 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 blow him away. And I see the odds reflecting. I see that there's he was a huge favorite, and now I see he's up to like minus three thousand or something like that. So, odds makers looking right. at that as a complete mismatch. Um, and then you know, just mentioned in passing. Rosado's fighting Shane Mosley Jr. I just not not to you know knock him too much, but I mean, got to call it what it is. I, I just don't think Shane Mosley Jr. is very talented, and uh, you know no. Rosado has got to be at the end of the line one of these days. But he should be able to get another win here because it's Shane Mosley Jr. So uh, right. I think Rosado probably probably keeps alive for another fight after that, and uh, I think that pretty much sums up the weekend. All right, well, well, we'll talk to you next week. You enjoy the fights. All right, Chris, enjoy the fights. Thanks for having me, as always. Yes, sir. Take it easy. Take care. Yep. All righty. Um, real quick, I'm going to go out to Portland 503 in just a second here. Kind of going back to, uh, I think we were on Fondora, you know, if he could straighten out his punches even more, he throws a little loopy punches. But, you know, if you're on the inside and you're that long, it's not the easiest thing to, to throw the straightest punch. But he could throw them. Um, I'd say, oh, that's where I think I was too. The, you know, don't try to box them all night or nothing like that. You can pump your jab all you want. But I don't know about the double and triple because you will get countered. Um, but, yeah, he, try, he needs to push Lubin back. He needs to trap him on the ropes. He needs to put him in the corner um, and exploit that leaky guard. There's times where overall Lubin's defense is leaky, but especially his guard, there, there's, there's holes. There's holes in it. And, but I, I think Fondura's just got to be himself, just got to be that attacking, wanting to brawl, those uppercuts sometimes from too far away. Um, so, you know, the, the outboxing, you know, basically the whole outboxing idea is because he's so long, right? But 
you can be kind of in the pocket and still be long with your punches and still keep somebody at the end of your punch. Uh, it doesn't always have to be on the move jabbing. Um, and that's something that he can do to an, or not on the move, but he can, he can, he can jab and keep people at somewhat distance, but generally he doesn't want to be at a distance. You know, he wants to be brawling. And so, you know, that head movement I talked about with Lubin, the head movement and upper body movement, if you are going to be on the inside for, for chunks of time, shorten the punches and you got to, you got to clinch and you got to use that upper body. And you got to kind of use angles and be in and out, in and out, still within punching range, but you don't want to be at the end of that punch, right? And when he does get hurt, and like I said, in these back-to-back fights, Lubin got fairly hurt, like real deal hurt. Um, two things, you know, a lot of people shell up. That's a natural thing. You see that with a ton of fighters, sometimes better than others, but it's like a loose shell and he finds himself standing, standing straight up, almost like in a sense, like a sitting duck at times. Um, so like I said, to be the straight puncher, be the short puncher, try to counter with when it comes to looping i do think we're gonna some of the biggest punches of the fight especially for lubin will be in an exchange when he just beats him to the punch the straight line right the, the close right to that's the closest measurement how they say it. they don't say it like that i fucked it up but you know what i'm saying a straight line is the closest to god i can't talk right now um these messages I'm getting, I'm a little distracted. I apologize. It's just right now there's 45 seconds left of the live stream. Six four six three eight one four nine nine zero. You keep saying the same thing. Either message me with more detail, or maybe you're on right now. Either way, press one. Anyone listening to the browser, you're going to need to dial six four six three eight one four nine nine zero. But you probably already know. Um, so, yeah, back to that shell defense, it's like he's standing straight up and he's in, like, a very loose shell. And, like I said, sometimes he looks like a sitting duck in there, and that's where I think Bondora will just go off. So I think it's like – I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know if I see a 7-5, to 8-4 to four fight. But within the rounds are going to be these little battles that Lubin's going to have to pass. So I think he'll win nine to three, maybe eight to four. Shit, maybe ten to two if he really comes out there and looks great. But the constant activity from Bundura is going to need to be there, and that goes with that backing him up and, and, and trying to really just test his defense. You're going to have to take shots in there. We're going to find out how good of a chin. Fundora has because Lubin is explosive. Let's not get it twisted. He doesn't have a bunch of highlight reel knockouts anymore. He used to, but you know, he's. I mean, and another thing I didn't mention, I just realized that I haven't just opened up my notes here. Um, the body work on the inside, dig to the body. I saw my my old buddy, uh, old co-host uh, Joe Calix. I watched his little clip. Or not a clip, but a, his, on his on his boxing channel on the preview for this fight, and he talked about, you know, and I totally agree with him, attacking the body. Lubin's gotta attack the body, um, and sit down 
on those punches. Real, I mean, that's where he's got to attack. Shortening the, the punches, trying to be the straight puncher on the inside, and attack that body. Chop that long-ass tree down. It's going to be a fun fight. I do like uh, Lubin by decision. Could I see a possibly elite late TKO? Yeah, I could. I definitely could. But I don't know how strong I feel about that. But I think we're going to know that Lubin won the fight. But I think it's going to be fun, you know, to get there. Let's put it that way. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and go out to Portland. 503, I'll give you a second here to get it figured out. Then we are going to end the show like we normally do with, uh, you know, some some fight news and whatnot. We did get the whole uh, Spence Ugas. Spence isn't doing a uh, lot of testing thing going on that we talk about, um, you know, with Conte and Matero and all these guys that aren't really to be trusted, to be honest with you, not as human beings per se. I don't know them. But as far as in this juncture, on Twitter, <laughs> let's say that on Twitter. By the way, it is the anniversary of the Super Fight. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's Hagler Leonard, still debated to this day. Um, and I think it's a debatable fight, obviously. But this whole, there has just always this been this lingering thing that Hagler got robbed and Hagler won cleanly and all that. And that's a bunch of bullshit. I'm willing to say it could have went either way. It could have been draw. I'm cool with that. But this whole Hagler one, he's not easy. Nobody says that. But, you know, oh, Hagler one, dude, he should have got that. Nah, hold on. Dude. Take a couple deep breaths. Your boy, and hey, I love Hagler too, but, you know, he shouldn't have tried to out. Speaking about boxing, why did he try to box in the beginning of the fight with Leonard? It made no sense to go out there awkwardly in your positioning as a fighter and what you're trying to accomplish for him. And he's got a good jab, and he can come forward to Hagler like a monster, right? But for him to position the way him the way he did and try to box early and, and, and you know, even like overly feel him out, pause, Sugar Ray Leonard, that's where he lost the fight. So if you thought he won cool, had he not done that, then he would have really won the fight. You know what I mean? And it would have been even cleaner than in your eyes. But uh, that is, um, what is it, 87, right? 1987 or 86. I remember I watched at my grandfather's house. Um, and I think it was, it was during the week, right? I think it was during the week. I'm almost positive. Um, but, yeah, man. That that fight, it wasn't that it was just this crazy fight per se. Man, it was uh, it's just memorable because the build up for so long, and you know the background on it and the negotiation process. I mean, this thing, you know, you had a retirement in like '82, and then retirement again a couple of years later after that Howard fight, and it was just. Uh, it's just a fight that'll always kind of just be in my memory banks. You know what I mean? I just I can't I can't really get that out of my mind that that type of fight. And uh, yeah, I think it was during the week. I'm almost positive. I, I want to say it was on a Tuesday, but I 
I'm not sure. Because, you know, back in the day, there there actually was plenty of fights during the week. People don't realize that now, but, or a lot, you know, a lot of people don't realize that. But, yeah, there used to be plenty of uh, fights on during the week. I can't remember what, if that, what day that it was actually on. Let me see. I know this is kind of stupid. Let's see what that was. It was on a Monday. April 6, 1987 was on a Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. Yep, that's what it was. It's too bad they never fought again. It is too bad that that's the only crappy thing they did. But anyway, all right, let's go out to Portland 503. Let's get him in the fold here. What's going on, man? How you doing? Long time no talk. Hey, yo, 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 what up, what up, Chris? Yeah, hell yeah. It's been a long time, brother, but I'm here. Let's talk some boxing, brother. But I but, uh, hope you're doing good, uh, Chris. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. And this really this weekend really <laughs> kicks off at April, May, June. That's just, uh, a, you know, a, a fight fan's hell dream, yeah. the schedule we got. Yeah, man. The, the, yeah, bro, this is uh, – this month, bro, finally, like, it seems – uh, I mean, these last months were all right. They weren't too bad, but like you know, this one, this month is like you know, uh, this, this is a good month to be a, a boxing fan or just a fight fan in general. You know what I mean? Um, you know, uh, so yeah. But uh, also, I want to mention, uh, if I could just recap real fast, uh, uh, Brissette, man, um, uh, the the anthem goes to you, my brother. Uh, you know, he got. Uh, it looks like the referee stopped it in the sixth round uh, or in between rounds. Um, you know Nakatina, Nakatia. Uh, you know, damn dude, he uh, he looked good in there, man. He, uh, what can I say, man? Brichette, Brichette put on the some good pressure. When I thought, I thought when he was uh, pressuring uh, Nakatia, uh, uh, you know, I thought he was doing the best. Um, he decided, I thought, in my opinion, this time it felt like he was trying to box. Um, I don't know. Obviously, Nakatia was the better boxer. He showed. Uh, but, man, it just shows you, I don't know if you got to see at the end of the fight, he was crying, he was showing, you know, he was sad and everything Bruchette, uh was. But, man, don't don't hang your head, kid, man. You're just, you know, you know you'll, you'll, you'll be able to bounce back, man. It's not over. Uh, you know, shout out to the kid, man. I know I know this is a, yeah. this is a terrible stop. So it, it just sucks to me because everybody, you know, after this, man, you know, I mean, like, just, I mean, back-to-back losses like that, I mean, it's just like, you know, people already, already to, already to, they're ready to write you off, you know, and just, uh, you know, I don't know. That's just my opinion. But, um, but shout out to you, Brichette. Don't hang it up, brother. You know, uh, you know, just, uh, I would, I would say my opinion is get back to the basics, you know, take some off TV fights, you know, uh, you know, get your groove back. Um, don't try to, you know, it's, 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 don't try to outbox yeah, yeah, anybody. You know what I mean? That's style. Yeah, don't try to outbox him. I felt bad for him fighting that way, you know, cause you could tell he just couldn't yeah. do it. Nah, he was uh he did he had some good spots, but nah man, uh, Nakatia just showed better skills. Uh but Bashad, man, uh keep your head up, brother. It's, it ain't over. And also, man, uh what what would he got uh this weekend, like we said, uh 
this whole month is packed with fights, brother. Uh, but let's uh, let's get over. Let's get into this weekend's fights. What's that? Uh, Triple G is back, man. I can't wait to see this one. This one's in the morning, so I'll probably catch it when I wake up uh, that that morning of that Saturday. Uh, so, but uh, Triple G goes over there to Japan. Uh, this is this is actually a good fight. Um, a cool international fight, in my opinion. And uh, you know, obviously, uh, everybody, you know, uh, Murata has. You guys are saying Murata hasn't hasn't fought over two years or something like that, and uh, um, and continues to be in the ranks. But man, I, at least we got a fight. You know what I mean? At least this is what for two belts. Uh, if you're if people like belts, right? So you know, uh, uh, Triple G. You know, you know, I got Triple G winning in this one. Um, I just feel like he, you know, it ain't over for him. Obviously, uh, well, I think what was he like thirty seven? I think it's thirty seven or something like that. Thirty eight, thirty seven. Um. I, I, I just don't think it's, 40. you know, he... Sure he's 40. Oh, is he 40? Oh, wow, okay. But you know what I mean? Benny Pacquiao, you know what I mean? Pacquiao had a, got a belt after 40, so, you know, I'm not writing this guy off, man. This is this is a different era. Um, I want to I wanna root for uh, Triple G in this fight because I actually wouldn't mind seeing... Um, uh, I actually wouldn't mind seeing the, the Canelo fight uh, in the future, you know what I mean? Just to, just to knock that one out, you know, out of the Canelo list and the... The Canelo fan or the the Triple G fans, you know what I mean. So, uh, but He's yeah, man, I'm rooting 40. for this guy. Uh, the day on uh, the day before the fight, he turns forty. Actually, oh, the day before. Oh, wow, man. But uh, yeah, wow, yeah. Well, I hope you know. Hopefully, he gets this uh, birthday present. You know what I mean? And get. But uh, but you know, I'm going to. I think you know he he is going to win. Um, I don't think I don't think he knocks him out. Uh, uh just uh, I've uh, Murata Murata seems uh, hungry. Uh. You know, I saw a little bit of his highlights. Uh, he did look, you know, he did look fast. He's young. Uh, he he did look strong. So I, you know, I, I just believe maybe that carries him um, into the late rounds. And Triple G, I don't know, he hasn't had a, a severe knockout in a, in a while. So, um, uh, but no, I got Triple G for this one. Like I said, I, I'm rooting for the guy. So you know, let's go. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, man. And uh, also, uh, also. Uh, this uh, this weekend, what well, we got a uh, Michaela Mayer fighting this weekend. Um, you know, I'm I'm rooting for her. Uh, you know, hopefully they make that Baumgartner fight uh, in the future. I remember seeing something I think earlier this year. Remember when uh, Baumgartner was able to get a, a knockout over uh, what's her name Harper? Um, he she got a, like a you know a knockout over that, and uh, there was like some talk. You know what I mean? There was some back and forth over Twitter. I saw something where. She, uh, Bob Gardner said something like she's just a, a dog barking on the other side of the fence or something like that, and uh, it just made some noise. Hopefully they make that uh, fight in the future. Hopefully Michaela Mayer gets this one. Uh, and also uh, also the end of this weekend, uh, Showtime, uh, this, you know, this is a good fight. Uh, this is a good uh, card, I think, in my opinion. You know, uh, Showtime uh, delivers this one. I, I, I like the main event. Uh, Erickson Lubin and Sebastian Pandora. This one, um, let's see if Lubin could, you know, try to get a uh, a Charlo fight. In the, and I like Sebastian Pandora, man. If I could, if, you know, this guy is, man, this guy is tall for that division. He, uh, damn, I would love love if this guy, man, just uh, bulked up and and moved up in in weight. I, I, that's just my opinion, but you know, uh, I'm not gonna tell him what to do. Uh, but I, don't I do know like this fight, up, uh, though, dude. Like how much weight can he put on? He's a skinny dude, man. He's yeah, he's, I mean guy. he just got to eat. I'm sure. I'm sure that I mean there's there's people out there, right? The the experts that uh, that could put put weight up. I mean, I know, obviously he's a skinny kid and everything, but he's got. I don't. I don't know. Uh, he's. I mean, cause does it, he's got a big like a tall build, man. Like I just. I mean, 
I just feel like, I don't know, is, do you think, like, is he depleting his body to, to get there, or is he just a natural uh, skinny guy like that? I think he's pretty skinny. I don't see him staying out 54 his whole career, but I wouldn't bulk yeah. him up to, like, 68 or nothing like that because he hasn't shown to have a bunch of power at 54. So, yeah. like, I understand the bulk up in sports, but in boxing, bulking up is not necessarily yeah. the best thing to do. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I understand that, but it's like, uh, that's just, I don't know. That's just what I would like to see from him, just because just to use his size. You know what I mean? He's, he's young big, too. You know, he's guy. young, so he yeah. he'll definitely move up in weight. I'm sure. You know. Yeah, hell yeah. And also, I want to mention that uh, I just found out too that he's uh, half Cuban, half Mexican. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, shout out to him, man. And um, uh, definitely ruined for the uh, Sebastian in this one, man. Uh, I've seen I've seen him a few times in his fights. Uh, some of his fights where he comes in with Cerrero. So I wasn't 100 percent sure if he was Mexican, but you know, like you know, because sometimes you know, you, I understand trying to win over the fans and um, uh, and all that. So, but yeah, you know, you know, shout out to him, man. And uh, but yeah, but Lubin, uh, like I was saying, Erickson Lubin, this should be a fun fight. Uh, I, I think uh, this goes the distance, but Sebastian, uh, I just feel Sebastian does get this one, um, you know, in the in the decision cards. Uh, and also the, I like the I like the Tony Harrison Garcia fight, uh, Sergio Garcia fight. Uh, this one, this one's pretty cool. You know what I mean? It's, it, you know what I mean? I I, I think we'll, we'll be able to see uh, Tony Harrison bounce back. Uh, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, shout-out to the Showtime card. This one should be fun. And also, too, man, and I think I think everybody would agree that uh, the Ryan Garcia-Emmanuel uh, uh, to-go fight, I think that's the, the event of the weekend, I think, in my opinion, uh, that everybody's kind of more uh, eyes eyes on. Uh, you know, because everybody's trying to see what, let's see what this kid has, man. Let's see if he could bounce back, man. Uh, you know, he's obviously with a new trainer. Uh, what's his name? Uh, fuck, help me out, Chris. I forgot his name. Uh, Joe Goosen. Joe yeah, Goosen. Joe Goosen. Yeah, Joe Goosen. Uh, uh, but yeah, man, uh, th- th- I think, you know, uh, hopefully you toughen them up. And also, I, I, was, I saw that media workout where, uh, the, you know, he was hitting that, uh, the Cobra bag, and um, I don't know. Uh, I, I just want to uh, like I, I heard what's his name Goosen say like he mentioned that I didn't believe in this Cobra bag until you know until I saw you do it in front of me or whatever so I, I don't know uh, if Garcia's you know really dictating things there or is or is Goosen you know dictating stuff or you know what I mean like I wonder uh, if that's just like oh okay well he he likes it you know let's just put it in implemented in the training, uh, you know, so I don't know. That, that just got to me where I was just like, I felt like Goosen, um, Goosen was more of a yes man. Uh, that's what I'm trying to say. But I hope that, hopefully Goosen's that's not the not case. not a yes you know? man, dude. He's got a long yeah. track record. He is not a yes man. I hear your point, and I think it's a good detail, but I wouldn't call Joe Goosen a yes man. I know, I know, I know, Chris. Uh, you know, I'm hoping not either, but, uh, you know, you know you, you, you're right about that. You know, he's not a yes man. Um uh, his but track I'm hoping, record anyway. Uh, Let's say that yeah, it's definitely, bro. Definitely, I mean, right yeah, now, definitely, sure. bro. Definitely, bro. I mean, he's one of those trainers that you know dig deep. I mean, he is. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm just hoping. You know what I mean? That that's, let's, let's see it. But uh, I'm down to see this fight. That I think this is the the weekend fight, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Emmanuel to go too, man. I, I don't think he's a pushover. He's uh, from the other side of the world, so I think he's going to come in hungry. Uh, I saw an interview. I saw the the stare down today too. 
that happened. Um, you know, man, they're talking some shit, going back and forth. To go, to go, he seemed a little smaller. Uh, Garcia, uh, Garcia did look a little bit bigger. Um, oh, a lot, a lot taller. To go? Uh, and uh, what's up? To go is ready to go. He's ready to go. Yeah, to go is ready. Yeah, to go is ready to go, bro. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? I think he's gonna come in with that immigrant mentality, uh, which I like. Uh, so you know, let's see, man. I mean, let, let's see. Uh, fucking everybody thought that uh, Burchett was gonna wipe out fucking uh, you know his last opponent. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Nakatia. So uh, you know, man, man, I don't know, know, man. We'll see, bro. Because you know, this is a new trainer. Like I said, you know, this is a new trainer. This is a new a new look for Garcia. I mean, this is all eyes on him. Uh, so, but I'm rooting for the kid. Let's see, let's see the the Mexican Mexican uh, come out out of him, uh, and uh, that I'm hoping for a good fight, man. So let's see that. And also, shout out to uh, Marlon Esparza, who looks like who has a fight uh, on the undercard. Uh, I think mm-hmm. she's the the co-main the co-main event looks like. Uh, so Fujiyaka Fuji Fujioka looks like it looks like a Japanese name to me. Uh, you know they're they're tough as hell. You know they come in with that mentality. Uh, so, you know, shout out to that, to, to that fight. I think I was going to be entertaining. Uh, and also too, uh, Gabe Rosado, man, uh, that I like this fight, Shane Mosley Jr. I know, I know Shane Mosley Jr. is not what we all thought he was, but man, I, I think, uh, this one's going to be good. We all, we all know Gabe Rosado. So, um, I think, you know, he's going to come in with that heat, uh, for, for over the weekend, you know what I mean? So I got, I got Gabe Rosado on that one. Um, but yeah, man, but, uh, but as far as that, I don't have too much to say, uh, but uh, it looks like, but like, man, like you said, uh, this month, this month of, of fights, man, uh, it, lo- it looks sick. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot uh, to watch this, uh, this uh, these, these weekends coming up. So, um, but yeah, man, uh, th- thank you, Chris, for having me on. And shout out to the Open Dope Radio and Viva Mexico, cabrones. Yes, sir. Thanks as always. And you do make a good point. I mean, you know, a lot of we look at the betting odds, and you know, a lot of people think. They're matchmakers, professional matchmakers, and all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose in the ring, and you're like, whoa, didn't see that one coming. And it seems like the last year or two, especially last year, we did get a lot of huge upsets. And maybe some of that is COVID-related to where, you know, people weren't able to be, you know, because each state was a little different. So, you know, some people weren't able to even go to a gym for a while where others got in there earlier. So, uh, but yeah, you know, you always got to leave that open uh, just because, you know, as far as the main events go, it's, it's definitely the, the largest odds that Brian Garcia will win. And, but yeah, you're right. You, you just never know. You never know. And, and it probably won't be him losing, but wonder if he were to get hurt in it or, you know, that type of thing. So, We'll definitely see, yeah, man, this this uh, April and May and June. If you, if people were kind of got into the show a little bit later, I did do a preview early of just these next 90 days or whatever. It's going to be a fun time, no doubt about it. Um, so we'll just end with a little bit of current fight news and some boxing Twitter stuff. Right now, according to Sky Sports, um, SJ Boxing, uh, management rep Adam Morelli, um, Joe Joyce, and Joseph Parker remains in negotiations with good progress being made towards a potential deal. Canelo, this is ESPN Deportes, Canelo Alvarez trainer and manager 
Eddie Reynosa has stated that um, if they get past Bivol and Golovkin loses to Murata, then they will pursue a light heavyweight undisputed fight with the winner of Better Biev and Joe Smith Jr. in September. That's what they're saying. Pretty crazy. Um, of course, you know, Bibble's not going to just walk on over either. You know, he's, 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 he's a good fighter. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz and Lee Wood, the WBA, has formally ordered that fight to, uh, you know, consolidate everything to put all the belts together. And so Leo has 30 days to decide whether he plans to stay at featherweight um, and take this fight. You know, I'm sure they're just going to kind of figure out what's the best, uh, you know, motive there to go. And, and I remember seeing an interview, I think it was on Fight Hype, um, with Leo Santa Cruz saying that's probably what he's going to lean. Because we all, even though the media didn't talk about it much, especially the U.K. media after the Lee Wood-Conlin fight, but um, if you're paying attention, we knew this was going to come. This, this is what they called for, so we assumed it anyway, not new, because you never know in boxing, right? But he did say that he's probably going to take this fight. Maybe they just make a good offer, like a really solid offer to Lee Wood to fight here. I don't really see him fighting in the U.K. I guess you can't rule it out, but I, I probably would. Um, so we'll see. Uh, Lee Wood and Santa Cruz at featherweight, that'd be a pretty damn good fight. I know a lot of... Uh, you know, folks want to uh, on the on the other side of the pond. Like Tony Bellew was up there saying, you know, how about Kiko Martinez takes on? You know, he he just got beat up pretty good, and he was trying to match him with somebody else. You know, and, and it basically like, you know, Lara, Mauricio Lara, and it's like, so you want Mauricio Lara to fight Kiko? But you don't want to see a, another fight with Warrington? Like, isn't that the fight you'd want? Don't get me wrong. Lee Wood against Warrington or Lee Wood against Solara, whatever. You know, those are good Those are good fights, too. But it is kind of funny how that, you know, how the media just know this is the one we actually want. And you need to strip Leo Santa Cruz right now. He hasn't fought at 130 in a long-ass time. He just fought at 130, actually. So um, we'll see. We'll see if that happens. Um, what else we got here for current uh, fight news? Um, oh, you know, they, they actually did talk about how there's 4,000 more tickets now available. Well, I think they got swooped up. I don't know. But the local authority there in the U.K., um, they're going to have 94,000. They, they officially added 4,000 more tickets, so it will be the largest crowd to witness a boxing match since 1993, which is always pretty dope, right? Oh, by the way, I did want to talk about this real quick. Um, Cuba has reportedly set up the official return to professional boxing for the first time in 60 years. They, they claim that they're their elite amateur talents could now make their pro debuts in May. And a lot of people have already kind of ran a bunch of stuff through their head thinking, huh, 
man, I wonder if Rigo would have came over here earlier. I wonder if this, I wonder if that. And I definitely, uh, you know, I definitely started thinking about, man, I wonder if, I wonder, you know, I wonder how that would, how that would go and stuff like that. Um, so this isn't really news news, but there is some news in here uh, initially or, you know, ultimately. So Victor Conte, um, he said he directly asked Spence and Ugas TGB if they're doing Bada. He said, I asked twice and there's no response. Now, does that mean he tweeted them? Um, because, you know, him and Memo always go back and forth. Ugas is with Memo. I guess Memo is, according to him, the guy is shady, but then Conte's, you know, history tells you something as well. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. He, he goes on to say he's a known PED supplier and suspicious. In my opinion, boxing uh, scribes are afraid to ask for clean boxing, right? That was his tweet. Now, Eidick, Keith Eidick said, afraid? And he says this guy, here on planet Earth, I have a copy of a letter dated 217 that states Spence and Ugas are actively participating in BADA testing. This would have been a boxing scene story only if they were not enrolled in testing regularly. So, and you know, when you go to his box, you know, go to box racks and you'll see, um, you know, there's an ID there's an ID number you can do, you know, with the Voluntary Anti-Doping Association, Pro Boxer. Um, it goes all the way through this year, and then I think you just re-up, you know. Um, but there's an ID, and uh, that's what I did, you know, that's what we have. That's what we have there. But, you know, he, he always, you know, he let, he wants to let, like, Luis Ortiz off on a, on a certain thing. I remember that. But then, you know, because he wants to say, well, Leo, remember Ortiz with the heart, the, uh, the heart pills, basically, right? Um, how they, they forgot to put those on the form. But that's part of the process. If you don't put a prescription on the form that you fill out, then that's going to be an error and you're going to have to get a minor discipline. And I say minor, you know, but people just kind of choose to, to, to go with Conte and even Montero jumped in. I'll give you his, one of his tweets. What's happening with some recent PBC fights is that they employ VADA officials to do regular commission tests, not the full VADA panel and call it VADA testing. The contract put the hush clause on everyone involved so details are not released to the media. Well, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Because Eidick even says he has, you know, a copy. So when they say there's a hush clause and there's details are not released to the media, well, that's not true. That's just Montero being Montero. Um, And Conte, too. Like, um, this is someone tweeting below it. They chose to believe Montero and Conte over actual data that's freely accessible for everyone. 
Um, but Idick also did say that technically you don't have to make an announcement. You know, that's what he that's what he said. You don't have to. He says. So he said, uh, Victor Conte said, um, for Idick and other scribes who may not have noticed, the above post is Boo Boo and Parker. In in what looks like when DeZon and Top Rank and Frank Warren boxers uh, do bot testing. Why do the lack of transparency, or why the lack of transparency when the PBC boxers are in, in BADA? Please explain. Thanks in advance. First of all, he says DAZN's not a promoter. It's a streaming service. Golden Boy and Matchroom are actually the promoters. They have DAZN deals. As it relates to PBC fighters, this is what he said. He was told that they're not required to make it public. You don't have to make it public. But you can still find out the information. You can get it. Errol Spence, you know, went on top of it saying, I've been in VADA testing for every fight since Kell Brook. Uh, dude's a, crown, uh, a clown who ruined lives and dreams of other athletes who went against athletes he gave PEDs to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, you know, um, whatever. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, good, it's great to, to ask questions about VADA. I remember the Thurman, but when you're, when you're, you should be asking about the WBC in Vada then too. You should also say it to Vada then. Well, why, you know, is this true, Vada, that you don't have to publicly disclose this stuff? Like a tweet, you don't have to tweet it, you know? Why, why are all the questions only one-sided? You know, you should, you should be able to go and say, hey, WBC clean program. What's up with this? You know, but they're, they have been enrolled for a long time. And, you know, this thing hasn't even been around that long, if we're being honest. Um, the whole WBC FADA thing. Um, but, you know, people take something and run with it. And um, when it comes to the WBC, a lot of this shit doesn't happen as much. I'm not saying there's not shaky shit about it. Of course there is. Um, and when, like, a different belt's up, those belts don't have Vada tied to them, right? So why aren't we making a big deal about that then? <clears throat> sometimes, you know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Most of the time you see that because, you know, um, people will just be, like, if you're ranked, you're going to be in the BADA system and stuff like that. So, um, oh, someone reminded me about uh, Edickson Perez with a nasty six-round KO, one-punch KO, perfect uh, counter to the right, uh, with the right hand at the chin of Incarnacion. Yes, that was nasty. I did see that highlight. I definitely saw that highlight. Now, there's a rumor talking about Adrian Broner is going to be back June 25th on Showtime. I guess he said it. I don't know. I guess he said it on his, on his Instagram. I actually didn't see that, but I think that's pretty funny. Um, you know, considering... He was, I thought he was going to, why didn't he go to zone? Because remember, Showtime and PBC wasn't giving enough money now. So why are you on Showtime? Then I don't get it. Why don't you get the money with this new app that's coming out or with zone or ESPN? I know he was making a big deal about that, but here we are. 
Um, boxers with two X's, that, you know, Sky Sports combination that they got going on there. In the UK, Ben Shalman has declared that Clarissa Shields, and speaking of a, a knockout, Savannah Marshall as well, Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall is now in later stages of negotiations. It's a matter of days away from being done. Uh, so that's dope. That's good. That's a good fight. Uh, I'm looking for that. Con- this is Dan Raphael. Contrary to some reports, a date and wait for a proposed, proposed Munguia Jacobs fight. I'm told that only, uh, I'm told not only have they not agreed to a wait, but there has yet to be a financial offer made to Jacob's side. There are no, they're not re- remotely close to a deal yet. So we'll hold off on that. Um, June 7th, by the way, is that uh, Fundora, or not Fundora, it's just uh, NUA and Donaire. It's going to be in uh, a Super Arena over in Japan, so that's pretty cool. Um, oh, there is, oh, well, yeah, Kel Brook. Someone actually, Kel Brook, I get, according to Eddie Hearn, Kel Brook wanted $10 million to fight to face uh, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. That'd be pretty good, actually. Conor Ben, this was on, uh, this was on BoxingScene.com. I made an offer to Kel Brook, this is Eddie quoting, which was more money that he made than he made to fight uh, Amir Khan. He asked for 10 mil, which was quite way off when I offered. What I, what I offered was fair, and I was like, fucking hell. Then Khan's guys came on and said, how much would you pay to fight Amir, you know, for him to fight Amir? And Eddie went on, I gave them the same offer I gave to Kel, and they said, surely Amir should get more. But he just lost to Kel, so everyone's gone mad. I would make either one of those fights if Amir Khan's going to fight again. That's a really interesting setup because Khan activated the rematch clause. Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I, I don't know what's up with that fight. Um, so Triller, I think it's Triller versus Five, has a card. And I bring this up because it is news. Uh, Kovalev, I think, is going to cruiserweight against Pulev. Trevel Pulev and Kuprat Pulev is fighting uh, Fedosiev. Fedosiev, I can't remember how to say that. Fedosov. I remember seeing them fighting stuff like that. Um, the Vargas brothers um, are making their uh, Emiliano. What is he? Emiliano. Emiliano Vargas is fighting that Fernando and Amando are all fighting on this card. The versus battle, which I don't really think lines up too well cypress hill against onyx i don't i don't know about that one i don't know if it's one a fair fight and two i don't know well you know they both do get hype i'll say that so the live crowd you know that's that's an interesting point they do kind of get hyped up um but sergey kovalev is uh i think he's yeah i think this is that Pretty sure this is that. Uh, so he is back. Um, you know, whatever you think about that. Uh, this is <laughs> this is one of those things that um, you know. When it comes 
do a certain writer that bans me, or not bans me, just bans me, what am I talking about, block me. Um, the Terrell Pugalev, or Terrell Pugalev is 16-0, 13 knockouts, but he's a prospect. I mean, you know, he doesn't have, like, a good name on his resume, fellow solid contender. Uh, you know, he, he spot Deshaun Webster, 12-2-2. and two. Um, He just has it. Mitch Williams, 16-7-3. and three. This is a prospect, you know, and it is, uh, you know, he, he fought um, at the beginning of last year. That was his last fight. Kovalev hasn't fought since that Alvarez fight um, back in November 2019. So, you know, it's a step up for Pulev, no doubt. And it's probably if Alvarez, or not Alvarez, but if uh, Kovalev wants to fight at cruiserweight, this is probably a, a way to get in there. But I say that because Woodsy has been so over the top with shriller positive stuff that like here here here's here's my point about him tweeting stuff and the reason why I respond to him once in a while or I used to. Here's a tweet he said, You saw this? Triller is interesting as fuck, aren't they? Don't underestimate Ryan Kavanaugh, by the way. And it's a picture of this fight. So Kovalev and Pulev a guy that hasn't fought anybody and Kovalev who hasn't fought in over two years, this is interesting. But then, like I said, he calls out Charlo saying Charlo doesn't want to challenge himself. He doesn't want to be tested straight up. Let's be honest. Hashtag weak shit. Because he's fighting Suleki, even though he doesn't have anything to say about Oscar De La Hoya with Munguia. Munguia actually, uh, you know, was ready to uh, fight Charlo. He had agreed to terms. Doesn't say anything about Oscar. Doesn't mean you got to take personal attacks at Oscar. But what Oscar did was bullshit uh, for Munguia. He was ready to fight. And as we know, they also offered... You know, Canelo, the most upfront money he's ever had to fight Charlo. But Charlo's afraid. He, he's afraid. He doesn't want to be tested. So why would these offers go out then? You know, it's, it's fucking stupid. But when I call him on it and say, hey, what's up with this? Nope. You know, nah. Nah, I'd rather just dump on Charlo. I'm not going to dump on Oscar for fucking over his fighter. Nah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So that that's basically, literally, all I did is say, oh, really? Well, what about this? What about this? And ask him some questions, and he blocked me. So that that's uh, taking care of some of the people that message me or are, who are currently on here right now. Um, this is Pro Boxing Fans. Eddie Hearn has revealed that Demetrius, we actually kind of talked about this, Demetrius Andre's contract with Matchroom is set to expire after his fight with Zach Parker on May 21st, he said he does not expect to be renewed, as he has been able to, you know, unable to uh, secure those fights. Here's some boxing. It'll be interesting to see what Andre does. Does he come back to the table and sign a deal with Showtime now? The deal that was originally offered to him to fight 
Charlotte. It'd be interesting to see. Um, this is actually John here on Boxing Twitter. <clears throat> if Canelo follows his expected schedule in beat, uh, winning of Bibble and Golovkin and then fights the winner of Better Be of Smith, he goes down with true all-time greats as, one, as the greatest Mexican fighter of all time. I mean, that would be a hell of a run. Here's that uh, that tweet that someone sent me uh, with the Glazier stuff. Uh, a worldwide boxing app will be launched in the spring, and it'll be $1.99. The American entity behind this new app is well-funded. The first two main events are very good, and the boxing guy they retained is a real, a real as a heart attack. April media press plan. So that's kind of what I was saying. Um, and I was right about that, about him uh, saying the 199. Um, oh, should networks be held accountable for fighters not fighting the best? You know, I would put managers and promoters before networks. I think you're going to find that a manager and a promoter is going to guide stuff before a network fucks it all up. Um, Okay, this is uh, Tom Gray. He's tied uh, in the higher-ups of – or not higher-ups, but he's the – I think the main editor or one of the main editors of The Ring. He says, okay, what we need now is the WBA to accept that 126 pounds is in Leo Santa Cruz's rear view mirror, rear view mirror, an upgrade. So he just wants an upgrade to full champion for Lee Wood. He deserves it. Proper unification between Warrington and Wood. It's a terrific event. Now I, I like Warrington and Wood. If they make that fight, that's great. But to say that Santa Cruz at 126 is in the rear view mirror, dude, he just fought. Like, he literally just fought there, man. So, once again, showing the biasness, it's just silly. There's something about network promoter putting great fights in specific uh, divisions that I find so enjoyable. PBC Showtime does a great stuff at 154. I love what top rank ESPN is doing at 130 as of late. The zone matchroom have been knocking it out of the park at 115. Yeah, this is uh, Carlos Toro. Yeah, I mean, you know, before the in-house fights, you you get old with them, and you still get old with it, right? But in this day and age, with what we're dealing with when these people, you know, these promoters have these outlet deals that they have to give their product, their best products to them, and their their biggest guy, you know, as many main main event fighters as they have, you know, the network's going to want it first to keep the deal. Well, it's very important to make the in-house fight. It just is. And that's a change, you know, of course. Because, you know, like I said, after a while, it's like, what the fuck? Like, these in-house fights get old. But those are the fights you got to make the most. And then, and, and in that process, you know, fighters become better known and fights become bigger and interest starts to build a little bit, whether it's on the mid-level or super big fights. So, yeah, I mean, that's what you got to do. You got to make as many fights as you have on your platform. 
uh, whether the, the fighters are signed to you or are free agents, if you have a, 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 a bulk of the division, you've got to make those fights. Prime for prime, Canelo knocks out Roy. Having a chin is something that never goes away. Roy never had a solid chin. Canelo, ninth round KO. Um, when you say Roy never had a chin, I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> like, never had a chin? He only got chinny when he went from light heavyweight all the way to heavyweight, and then when he came back down, yeah, well, he, he got chinny, sure. But come on, dude. Like, really? Like, it's just, it's just, come on, dude. So you're, you're telling me, so you're telling me that he's going to last basically as long as Billy Joe Saunders did. So you're telling me that Roy Caleb Plant lasted longer than Roy Jones is going to last? Callum Smith, Kovalev. So Sergey Kovalev, Daniel Jacobs, who you could say is chinny to an extent. At times he gets hurt a fair amount, and you know obviously he got knocked out too. I mean, if we're going off that reference, he went 12 rounds, but Roy Jones is going to get knocked out. Come on, dude. I love me some Canelo, dude. I, I mean, this fucking guy's resume is disgustingly good. But he just, he just knocks out Roy Jones? Like, come on, dude. Who's he fought on Roy Jones' level? One guy he fought that's on Anywhere near a Roy Jones level. That's no disrespect to Golovkin and Cotto and all the Arslani Lara, some of the guys he's going to face. But come on, dude. Come on. Stop disrespecting Roy like that. Stop disrespecting Roy like that. Oh, here's another one. So this is uh, Montero. This is what he had to say a few years back. Someone uh, texted me to this, and I actually saw this on Twitter. This is what some. This is his response. Okay, this is the guy who always wants to keep it down the center. And hey, man, let's be more open-minded, right? So this, uh, someone, someone um, tweeted: Black people don't need a black hope. The best boxer of nearly every generation is black. Facts: Andre Ward, pound for pound. Now Crawford is the future. Well, this made Montero mad. And he said, Ward isn't black. His mother was black. He's mulatto. So he's not black. He doesn't count as black. Ward doesn't count as black, I guess. And not only that, but to use it in 2000, what? I think this was like 2000, in the last few years, to use the word mulatto to describe a person who's black and white is fucking disgusting. Like, I understand mulatto never should have been used. If you look it up in the dictionary, do yourself a favor right now. If you don't know what, Google that word, and you'll see why it never should have been used in general. But don't get me wrong. In the 80s, I heard that word a lot in general. And that was a word that was in our, and I'm talking about black people used it too. It was a word that was there, and it, it, it never should have been there. But go look it up, and then you're going you're gonna to call him mulatto. 
now that we've known for quite some time that that's not that's that's not what you do. But that's that's Montero. So if you want to support Montero, go for it, man. Go right ahead. Go right ahead, Steve Kim too. Get on, get on, get on, Steve Kim too, man. He's he, yeah, good stuff. Anyway, I'm gonna get out of here. Enjoy the fights. There's a bunch of them. We'll be back next week. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when as you fight, let's say you fight for five years of straight survival, the bullshit, the whole bag, and when you become the world champion, like you know what, I made it. I'm gonna show you. Any, every dollar worth of, 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 of what I deserve. Why? Because I'm the world champion.